Initiating Turbo Dude with Joe and Paulos. Warning, side effects may include examining your own insecurities, finding your way to a healthy relationship, and not being a jerk. There's a button! <laughs> Hello there, everyone. My beautiful internet friends, welcome to the very first episode of the Turbo Dude podcast. This is my best friend and co-host, uh, Aaron Palos. Hello. From Life of Palos. He's also a YouTuber. And we have a special panel of beautiful guests today. Round of applause. We do. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so on this topic, on this, on this podcast, we are going to be talking about issues around dating, relationships, marriage, current events, and bringing in guests every week to share their thoughts. They might disagree. They might agree. We'll see. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. This is the very first episode, and I'm super excited to have you guys here. I wanted to start by having everyone go around and introduce themselves. If you want to say your name, age, if you're comfortable, and what you do for work. We'll start with you, Tom. Yeah. Okay, yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Tom, and uh, I'm a 45-year-old software engineer. Hell yeah. Oh, I just broke the first rule of no profanity. <laughs> I don't think health. I'm glad I don't know if that counts. Percent. I don't think that that counts as like a negative word. I think we're okay. I think we're good. Right, Heaven, good. yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Cancel it out. Um, I'm Shaylee. I'm 33, and I'm also a YouTuber. Um, I do like plus size fashion and body confidence around my channel. So that's what I do. I'm also my grandma's caretaker right now. That's like my job at the oh, moment. Oh wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Nice. So first off, feet pick. <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm Russell, and I do. Uh, I'm 33. I do like photo, video, and AI stuffs. Yes. So Wonderful. Do you also want to introduce yourself? I mean, I kind of. I did. should. I'm Aaron yeah. Palos. I run an automotive community kind of YouTube channel, and uh, this is kind of a new thing for me. Never yeah. going live generally ever, but now we're going live, so it'll be really fun. Yeah, this is like one of your first times live. Actually. I know. Joe and I have known each other for a long time. Perfect. So should we, we've, we've introduced everybody. Yes. Relationship status? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, what is, if you guys are comfortable sharing, what is your relationship status? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm married. I've, uh, we just actually had our 20th anniversary this year. Congratulations. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah. I am divorced, but I'm dating someone. Oh. Excellent. Wait, wait. How long have you been dating? The current like, someone you're with? Oh, a year. A year. A year tomorrow. Oh wow! Actually. Oh, oh, that's, oh, that's, that's pretty awesome. cool. Good. Are you guys doing something special? Yeah, we're going to Glenwood Springs oh. and Aspen if we have time. Very nice. That's beautiful. What's up? I'm uh, I'm just single. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say the DMs are open, Russell? <laughs> I'm just yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can slip and slide in whoever you like. Oh yeah. All right. <laughs> Perfect. Well. Do you want to start off with the topic? Do you have something topical in mind? Uh, so I wanted to start off. Tom actually sent us this topic earlier this week. Uh, Tinder, which is a dating platform you may love or hate, depending on your experience with it, recently launched a whole new section of their app where it is now $500 a month uh, to be in these, these special 1%. Also, I believe a benefit of this is that you can message people without them having to accept your message up Correct. to twice a month. Which there's definitely, there's no way that's going to go poorly. I believe it's invite only for only their most active users. Oh, does that mean? I don't, I'm not, exa I'm not exactly sure what that means. I, yeah. think, I feel like they're being a little bit cryptic about it. But if you're special enough on Tinder currently, 
you can pay them an extra $500 a month. Would you no. do this? <laughs> that's way too much money. Yeah, that's, that's a hard no. Much, no. It's just, it sounds like they're trying to be like Luxor or whatever. That other one is like the, for the famous people dating app, there's like a similar one. What was that? Right. Yeah. yeah, maybe it's right. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something like that. Uh, but like, consi- I don't know. I guess I would have to, when I look at the analytics of things, because like when it comes to men on dating apps, it's a lot of, it's a lot of famine. There's yeah, like, right. it's really, really difficult. And so like, if the return is there, then could potentially be worth it. But until I have analytics on that, there's no way. Are you on any current dating apps right now? Uh, yeah, I, I use Hinge generally. Uh, and that's generally it just because I find it's easier and it's like, I'm not a hookup person. Mm-hmm. So I'm like that, that's the thing I want to go for. Not that it matters exactly because like they're literally every single dating app is owned by the same company except for Bumble. So like do that with that information, oh, what you will. I didn't actually know. Oh, interesting. Really? Okay. Yeah. I don't think I knew that either. Actually. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, huh. did you, okay. did you experiment with the other dating apps prior to hinge? Yeah. I tried the other ones and I just liked that one more. Any particular reason? Uh, not necessarily. I just like the vibe, I guess. Yeah. They're all, they're all built a little bit differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shaylee, I know you were also like before you were in the relationship that you're in, mm-hmm. what kind of dating did you do with any? I never had any luck on Hinge at all. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, I tried all of them just because I was totally curious just what each platform was like. And, um, I met my boyfriend on Facebook dating. Which oh, I did not yeah. know existed yeah. until somebody told me about that. So that hasn't been around as long as the other ones, right? I think it's fairly new. Yeah, like the last three yeah. years, maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say, yeah. So Does, do you know if it ever matches you up with your friends? Like, would it ever match you oh, up with your friends? Because I'm actually curious about that. It. Yes, actually, it does. Really, it does match you up with friends, and it'll also tell you if you have mutual friends, which comes in handy. Indeed. Um, is this is this person a a weirdo kind of? Questions. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like if you're really interested in the person, you can just ask your friend, like, hey, mm. who is this person and should I date them? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's nice to have a little heads up beforehand. Mm. How did you like the app approach to dating uh, also for you, Russell? Because I, I did some of that myself, and I know a lot of people really, really don't like that culture. And I thought it was – I wasn't on it that long, but I didn't have horrible experiences. What, what have you guys thought about, like, app dating versus meeting in person? Um, well, I am very introverted, so I am one of those people that's not just going to like walk up to somebody and be like, oh, hi, you're cute, you know, or like make a move or whatever. Um, so I feel like I really like the dating apps for that reason, because it's just a lot easier to like break the ice and have that initial conversation. And my boyfriend and I say all the time, if we hadn't met online, we probably would have never like spoken to each other. We're we're both introverted. Like it just, it like. Probably wouldn't have happened naturally. So who made the first move when you guys, I guess, like e-met? Well, he liked my profile first. Um, and he's he was 27 when he liked it. And I was like, no, I'm not dating anybody under the age of 30. So I didn't even have my settings set to that. And so luckily he mm-hmm. liked me first and I was able to see him first. What was your age again? I can't remember. Um, I'm 33. Got it. So it's not even that, that big of a age difference but like yeah. I was like 20 year old guys don't know what they want mm. I don't know it's something, it was just a stereotype I had in my head they certainly don't have like the best reputation <laughs> exactly yeah. that's accurate <laughs> yeah so um, he liked me first but then I sent the first message can you tell us what it was is that too much I just said no I was just like hi you seem super cool 
It's a solid opener. Yeah. Nice. You know. Yeah. yeah. Nice. <laughs> well, let me ask a random question about this. Um, who do you think has like the burden of, of more like having the interesting message to begin with, men or women on dating apps? Oh, it's men every time. Yeah. No question. Okay. Why do you think that is? It's just what's expected through society. Um, and what we kind of just, you know, that's what is expected. So the, and the only reason I say that is a lot of the time from what I've seen is like women will complain that like men aren't putting any effort into sending the first message or whatever. Mm -hmm. But then if, uh, but I, I guess it's irony or hypocritical, uh, when, cause then when women do it, it's the same thing and they're not creative. And so it's just like, yes. okay, hold up. You know, why is, why are all the dudes getting the hate? Um, is but it is it Bumble that women have to send the first message? Yes, I believe so. I, I hated that one because mm. having to come up with the mm -hmm. first message, I was like, I don't know, what do you say? Mm -hmm. So I like got I get it. Like mm -hmm. I think the burden is kind of on guys mm -hmm. just from society. I disagree with that. Oh, ooh, sorry. Oh, nice. I'm ready. <laughs> We're going to fight. <laughs> I was always the one who sent the first message. Okay. Like if I would have waited for yeah. these guys to message me, none of them would have. And if oh, they did, it was like WYD. Mm, I'm not going to answer yeah, that. Boring. If you just write hi, no. Yeah, totally. That's a waste of my time. Yep. Like, it seems kind of boring of a way. It's so boring. And it's like, I am not somebody who does small talk. So if you're not willing mm -hmm. to like have a conversation immediately, I'm not interested. So. Hmm. So I will give you a fun free one that I saw. I think I saw on TikTok that I was like, this is brilliant. And it's you put a, a dog emoji in there. And you, then you put, oh, oh, you just like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. He gets away from me sometimes. Oh my God. And that way it just kind of like opens the door and it's like a little cute. And you're like, okay. It's like nerdy enough that I feel like that would absolutely elicit yeah, responses. It's, it's <laughs> like I like the dad humor chuckle yes. out of me. So I was like, that's like my perfect kind of thing. Uh, I feel like that'd be great. Either that or like really good ways to do it is you say something that is, um, that warrants a response that's kind of mean because it's going to get them to talk because it's different from the high, oh. what you're doing. And you just kind of, it's not necessarily like a neg, but like just something that's weird. Uh, cause that'll, that'll trigger a different response. Cause it's not what they're used to. Interesting. Tom, I saw you wanted to say something about this too. Oh, I, I like, I think it's so interesting. The, so I think Russell used the word famine, uh, earlier to describe men's experiences on dating apps. Mm. Right. And, you know, you see a lot of data about, um, you know, how often or how many messages men have to send just to get one reply back or how many, you know, people they have to message to get one date, right? And I think, you know, women's experience from what I've heard tends to be much more like they're just trying to filter out, like Joe said, mm. they're trying to filter out the weirdos, mm. whereas men have to take much more of an aggressive stance even to get someone to talk to them. And I feel like maybe that's why they feel compelled to resort to, you know, pickup lines or other kinds of, you know, crazier behavior because they're just trying to break through the static in yep. some way. Well, I feel like, didn't you share something with Joe and I a while back about, do you remember what the stat was on Tinder for men versus women? It was like 80-20? Well, it was something like, extraordinarily high. Because mm -hmm. of the way that the populations are skewed, like the, the, the population of male users versus, versus female users, right? You don't have to tweak the numbers very much before the average guy user gets almost no messages, almost no attention. And the average female user is receiving so much attention that she feels like overwhelmed. She's being bombarded by all of these messages. And it's just strictly a function of how many men versus how many women. It doesn't even have anything to do with the individual people that are on there. I will add to that. There is the, the exception to the rule where you might have like the top 1% of men on those apps that all the women are after. Sure. And those people are doing really, really, really well, but you have to learn 
how to necessarily like cater your profile in order to get into that vein. What that is, I don't know, but I know it exists. <laughs> I was like, what is that then? <laughs> it's mm. out there. Yeah, I don't know what that would be either. I feel like if you respond or if you write a message and you reply to something that the profile said, that's your best bet. Mm-hmm. Because it actually means that you took the time to like read the profile. Because I think yeah. most people, like especially guys, and I've had like, the guys in my life confirm this. They'll just like tap on everyone and then see who, what, right. who will like respond to them and who sure. will start conversation. So it's, it's one of those things too, where it's like, did you just uh, like my profile because you're liking everybody or did you actually like what you read in the profile? So if you send me a message about something in my profile, I know you took the time to, to like read it. it and that, that really stands out. Uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense I, to me. I noticed that as well, where I was like, mm-hmm. oh, you actually, okay, cool. Like I'll talk. I think the other yeah. important thing with that is if you're going to put stuff in your profile in general, make, make it open-ended. Don't just make it like a yes yeah. or no thing because that's what's going to initiate that conversation. Mm-hmm. And if you can uh, you know, have camaraderie on that thing, that's going to make it way easier. Hmm. So I want to segue into something that you talked to us off-air about. So you said right. you were recently at a, what would you call it exactly? I mean, it's basically just like a dating workshop. Can you explain kind of how that was, how you found it? Like what was it like to be there? How long were you there? Uh, I was there for like uh, three days. It was in, it was in Balstrop, Texas. It's like half an hour from Austin, Texas. Okay. And uh, so basically there's this dating coach I followed for a while. I think I originally was served a Facebook ad for it. Uh, His name's uh, Adam Lyons. And, you know, when it comes to anything dating related, I am very vigilant on making sure that whatever this dating coach is talking about is make sure that A, they're just making sure they talk about consent and people being comfortable. And I'm like, we're talking, those two things are there. Then I'm like, all right, I might listen to what you have to say. Otherwise it's just, it's no go for me. But a lot of it, uh, what it comes down to, and I'd watched a video earlier today, but there's like, like three things that you, if you want to find someone that you need to have, one of those things is abundance, which is, or pre-selection. And basically what that entails is if I am hanging out with a bunch of women that I think are attractive, but I don't want to date, they're going to have similar people in that realm that I would also find attractive that I could potentially date. So that's like number one. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Then you want to, you know, also be able to have a conversation. Like that's number two of being able to have it back and forth and it be a good conversation. And then the last thing that you need to have, which is what I struggle with more than anything, is uh, sexual es- uh, escalation. Hmm. Okay. And if you have those three things, then, you know, finding, you know, a girlfriend or whatever is much easier. Because you, because if you only have two of those, it's not going to necessarily work. You need to have all three. Interesting. Okay. What's the sexual escalation part so of that? Is that like taking chemistry? It like, yeah. Um, so that is part of it. But like uh, one of the things that I thought was really interesting in that dating workshop is you start really, really easy and you just start with the hands. Okay. So you could be talking to someone and be like, hey, I think you're really cool. And you ask them for a high five. So you break that first boundary. Right. Because, again, you're asking, hey, can you give me a high five? I think you're really cool or whatever. And then slowly from there, if um, what you do, and I think this is this all goes back to consent, is you work up like to like the arm and then like the shoulder. And each time you move up, then you ask, hey, you, you go to touch that and then you pull back and say, hey, can I touch you here? Is that cool? And they say yes. Then you can go ahead. And if they Got say it. no, then you take two steps back. And then you work again from there. Go back to the high five. Someone right. you're actively trying to date. Is that right? Right. 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 Got it. Interesting. We're just building sexual escalation in general. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And making hmm. sure that people are comfortable. Mm-hmm. And like to, to, I know that's one thing. I've actually had a conversation with a few guy friends recently that like they're 
like there's a real con- which I think I really appreciate there's a real concern of like making people uncomfortable mm-hmm. with making like the first move or yep. whatever that is and I think I don't know I feel like that often comes on guys what what do you guys think I would say generally um the what what Adam talked about which I really really um agree with is you need it to be uh when it comes to that sexual escalation it needs to be a, like a an enthusiastic consent yeah like a hell yes and you can just build that over time um as you just slowly build that escalation and see where they're at. Um, and there's going to be generally, there's going to be like certain tells or whatever, or they'll just be say like freaking touch me. And then you're like, all right, cool. You know, then you know, it's enthusiastic. Best case scenario, I guess. You know? <laughs> Was this dating coach saying that you should be asking for each level? Like if you wanted to touch someone's shoulder, are you asking for permission to do so? Yeah. You ge- yeah. Generally. Interesting. That is interesting. Cause I listened to a podcast about dating from women and their perspective. And a lot of them think that's like an ick. Really? Like yeah. the, the ultra consent? Yeah. Well, to just be like, can I hug you? Instead oh. of just make, or can I kiss you? I am like, I, I think that's respectful. And yeah, I think that's I hot. Think, I think, <laughs> that, yeah, I like that. But some women think that's an ick. Of course, everything can be an ick these days. I don't yeah, know. I feel fair. like there's always I, icks. But. I, so I feel like with that, you can also phrase it in a way of say, I'm going to kiss you now. And then that gives them that's the option. Better. Right? It's not as icky or whatever. Okay. Because it says, I'm going to make this thing. You know what's happening. And then you can pull well, away and say You know in no. advance. Right. To like, okay. Okay, interesting. Got it. I feel like that might be slightly inorganic, though, from my perspective. I don't know. What do you think, Tom? Um, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, different people have different approaches to mm. these things. And I feel like, you know, so much of, of getting to know someone like a first date or even in a social setting where it's not necessarily a date is like, do you know this person well enough to get a read on how comfortable they feel about mm-hmm. what's happening? Um, I will say, OK, so 20 plus years ago, uh, the night that my wife and I kissed for the first time, we actually started by touching our feet on the couch. We had socks on. And we like, had our like toes. <laughs> nice. Touched. 23 years later, I still remember that crystal oh, freaking oh, clear so um, because it was like such a like, oh, sh- oh shoot, this is happening. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we touched feet and she wasn't weirded out about it. Uh-huh. So, um, it felt like the rest of the night flowed really naturally from there. And so I just feel like, you know, uh, I don't think it's wrong necessarily to ask people for consent. I don't think it's it's weird or icky. For like um, every step. But I also think that, you know, sometimes you just get a read on someone. Yeah. And yeah. it's okay. It's it's one thing to like make what I think is like a consent accident where you like accidentally do something that they didn't want, right? Um, because you felt like in the moment that they were ready for that or whatever. Um, but as long as you're willing to pull back from that, if they express that they weren't down for it, you know, I, I think it's also okay to, you know, like to, to be a little bold, especially when it comes to romantic relationships. Well, I think that kind of brings up something kind of interesting. I feel like, and maybe maybe you can jump in on this too, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of women probably respond to like traditionally masculine traits. And I feel like maybe asking for like that, like early level, I don't want to say like asking for consent totally, but mm-hmm. asking like, can I touch your shoulder? Can I kiss you? Maybe it doesn't come off as like traditionally masculine. What do you think about that, Joe? Oh, I think there can be the connotation that that is not traditionally masculine. Cause I think there's sort of the expectation with masculinity, at least societally, whether this is wrong or right, that it's like, it's very, what's the, not aggressive is the wrong word. It's very direct. Forward. Yeah, very forward, very direct, very like leadership and setting the tone. I do think that that's something that could probably like 
update with the culture mm, that we're in right that's now. That's a fair point. Right? And then, like, if someone is willing to be like, hey, is this okay? Are you comfortable? Like, that's, I find that crazy attractive, right? So, if someone is asking those questions and, like, checking in with me, so I think that's very nasty. Are you telling me you wouldn't think it would be a slight bit strange if someone asked you during, like, the courtship process? Yeah. Can I touch your shoulder? Like that's, Maybe shoulder? Well, that's if what I'm talking like about, d- like the earlier Yeah, stuff. but like, can I hold your hand? Absolutely. Can I kiss you? Absolutely. Can okay. I like move? Like, yeah. I think for most things, a question or like you said, like a statement. Maybe how you phrase it. Yeah. Yeah. I think okay. How that's you fair. It. But yeah. But yeah. Just trying to find the middle ground. Yeah, or or be important. cheeky about it. Like one of my always favorite go-to is you ask them, like, hey, can you hold something for me? And you, they put out their hand, you just grab their hand and they hold <laughs> hands. And they're like, <laughs> got them. <laughs> got them. <laughs> I'm going to do it. <laughs> just, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> and then you see what happens. If they pull away, cool. You know, whatever. It's definitely unique. Um, hmm. I do think there's something to be said, though, for, like, finding someone who gets you, right? Like, mm-hmm. if that's the kind of person that you are. Oh, like, 100%. If you're a dad joke kind of person or if you're just, like, you know, kind of a wacky person, like, this is a good way to find out really early on, like, is this your person, right? Yeah. And so oh, yeah. um, I think that those kind of little things can can wind up, you know, reaping benefits if you find someone that's like, you know, they're willing to joke back with you or they're willing right. to, like, engage with you on that. One of, the, one of the things that I learned at the dating workshop, which I really like, and while, like, I find it weird, but it also, like, it makes sense, is you think of the kind of person that you'd want to date. And you give them like three qualities, not like good communicator because everybody wants good communicator. That doesn't work. We have to be like, for example, like if you look for me, I want somebody who's like into anime, video games and or like dancing. Right. So I find so then you go to those places where those things happen. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes sense. And then what you do is you like wherever you are, you walk up to them and say, hey, I think you look like you're somebody who's into this thing. And if they say no, then you leave right? because they're (laughs) not the kind of person you want anyway. I think that's fair. Yeah. Right? And I then you work so. your way from there. And then you, it just solves your problem. It's 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 a little, it's very direct and it could be uncomfortable. But then you're like, I wouldn't want to waste my time with that yeah. person anyway. Okay. So I've got a, a very like stereotypical dating podcast question. Who should pay on the first date? Tom? Um, so my go-to answer on this is that whoever asks mm-hmm. the other person to do the activity should probably pay. Um, although there's there's so many extenuating circumstances that could play into it, but I think in general, if you're the one who asks, "Would you like to do this activity with me?" then you should be willing to, you know, like have that spirit of generosity to to pay for it. For me, I always just offered to pay my own yeah. and for them to pay their own. Yeah, I feel like that's what made the most sense. Um, and some men are like really offended by that. They're mm-hmm. like, "No, I'm doing it." But I feel like most are like, okay, cool. That's all right. And then you don't have to like sit there and like obsess about it. Mm. Cause I noticed if we didn't have like the conversation ahead of time, just like a, Hey, this is our first date. Like I'm, I'm paying my own just so you know. Yeah. Then it's not like when the check comes, it's not like that awkward, just like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who's paying right now? I don't know. Oh, I left my wallet uh, in the car. <laughs> Again. Mm. If you were still on like a first date level, let's say we, we wind the clock back a year if somebody really insisted on it, would you let them pay? Well, so that's the thing. When I went on the, my first date with my boyfriend, he was like, no, I'm paying and I'm always going to pay. And at first I was like, well, was this a control thing? Oh, sure. Right. <laughs> it's everything like, I, you have to like look out, it. you know? Um, but really, no, I mean, he was just taught to be chivalrous. So for him, it's just like a natural response. And since then I've 
paid for some of the dates and stuff, but he, he will always put out his card first. Like he will always try to pay first. Do the dance. Yeah. Not, I mean, not really though at this point. Um, cause I feel like the majority of the time that we see each other, I'm like cooking for him anyway. So, Oh yeah. That makes yeah. Sense. We're kind of, yeah. we don't really like go out as much, but when we do, we kind of just like take turns. Hmm. I agree with what Tom said, but also I will just be like, I'm just going to pay anyway. Yeah. Even if like you ask me, like, eh, I just want to. Just because it's fun. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> what do you think, Joe? Um, I think when I started dating, one of the things I asked pretty much any person I went on a date with was like, what's your experience in the dating world, right? And something that every guy I went on a date, I think it was every guy pretty much said, is that like they felt like women use them for money or they were worried about being used as like a meal ticket or whatever. And so like early on when I kind of heard some of that feedback and heard that concern, I was like, I want to make sure that that is never the impression that I give anybody. And so I always like, I pretty much always have like tried to pay or like tried to split or whatever. I'm not expecting that from the other person, but I also found that most of the time men would be like, no, I'm going to anyways. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like it was a sincere offer. It wasn't like, Oh no, I'll pay. Like I will pay for it like happily. But then generally they were like, no, I'd like to. And in, in, in that case, awesome, go for it. But with that comes a little bit of worry for yeah. us as oh, women. Absolutely. Because it's like, <laughs> if they pay, what are they expecting? Yes. Mm. You know, and, and I've had that happen. Yeah. Where it's like, they're like, no, I insist, I insist, I'm going to pay. I'm like, okay. And then, like, this is one example. This guy I went on one date with, it was like an hour and a half long. That's it. And I knew immediately, I was like, I'm not interested in this guy. Um, he kept, like, messaging me after the date. And I um, eventually messaged him back and was just like, hey, it was great meeting you, but I just want to be upfront and honest with you. And I did this to all the guys I was talking to when I decided I wanted to be in an exclusive relationship with my boyfriend. Yeah. I was like, I just, I'm moving toward exclusivity with somebody. I just wanted to let you know. So you're not like wondering and I want to just like ghost you. I, I hate that. Um, so like I, it was great meeting you. And he went off on me mm-hmm. and was After just... that very adult explanation. Yes. Yeah. And we had only oh, yeah. we'd only met for an hour and a half. Yeah. And he was college. like, You cheated on me with this other cheated. man. Oh, buddy. Yes. Right, cool. this, is, I'm wait, not... this is one hour and a half date. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Are you right kidding? Now. <laughs> and it, this man was like forty eight or something. I was just like, dude, grow up. I, I I was just I was like honestly in shock over it, but that's not really uncommon mm-hmm. <laughs> for How women soon? like some that's kind of stuff happens so how soon after you met him in person did you know that it was not gonna work um was it like instantaneous well there was like no fun. immediate attraction for me because oh. um, okay. he had used pictures from like 15 years ago mm, that's rough interesting so that was the first thing and then i think it was like probably 10 minutes in when he told me he left his kids in another state I was oh. like, no, I'm good. Yeah. I could never do that. Well, to that my doesn't kids, say so. commitment. I don't know what does. <laughs> yeah. <Yes>. Okay. <laughs> I also had a similar experience with the expectation thing and like the the not ghosting. I tried like not to ghost people if I was like, this isn't it or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and there was one guy I sent that message to after a first date, after we got like drinks. I was like, hey, you know, it was good to meet you, but I feel like, you know, I have a stronger connection, you know, otherwise, like, basically have a nice life and he went off on me to the point I don't block people where I actually blocked him I was like I'm good like I regret going out with you like blah blah blah, all this stuff and I'm like okay but I think it's important to be honest about connections what was his rationale for being upset exactly Uh, I don't know I couldn't tell you It's just, we you know, out, you feel the... things for like an hour and a half. What was he angry at you for? Did he say anything like that? Like, wasting his time. Wasting his time. Wasting I, I his feel time. like it's just the sting of rejection yeah, and probably. 
they just let their ego get in the way. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah it's not, it's not uncommon. I remember when I asked somebody out and it was just through like DMS or whatever. And they're like, Oh, I have a boyfriend. And I just responded, Oh, like, that's so wonderful. Like, I'm so happy for you. Yeah. And they were just like, that's like, so weird for you to respond that way. Were you respectful and nice? <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, oh cool. And it was just like, I just remember them like just being like taken back. And I was like, yeah, you know. Yeah, like cool. Okay. Awesome. Cool. Good. <laughs> if you were all still single, I would imagine that most of you would want someone to be extraordinarily honest with you about their situation if they're getting exclusive with somebody else. Yeah, I got stuff to do. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> okay. I feel like everybody wants that, but then we have like an entire society that generally ghosts people when they don't want to out of fear of like hurting their feelings or Which something. Which is weird because ghosts stick around. <laughs> <laughs> Technically <laughs> speaking, you're correct. Okay. Let me get our spooky sound Hold effect up. later. <laughs> huh. So when you were still active on the different dating, like which ones were you on? Um, I did all of them at one point. Um, don't ever do eHarmony. That's a total scam. I was scammed like hundreds of dollars out of that. And I was only on oh. for like a couple months. So. E-Harmony is like an OG. You, well, you can't cancel. You oh. have to you have to do it for what? like a year. And if you try to cancel, they will like just keep removing it out of your account. Even once you like disconnect your account, they're still trying to remove the money. What? That happened? Yeah. Oh, so then okay. I like switched over to like a card that was like a prepaid card or something. Mm-hmm. So they could like stop. And then they were like... I was getting calls saying Jeez. that like I owe eHarmony <laughs> money and stuff. And I was just like, are you kidding me? So don't what? ever do that. Yikes. <laughs> Never do that. But I did, I did them all. And I, I think overall like Facebook dating was the most successful for me aside from finding my partner on there. But I just, I feel like I met the most cool people on there. Mm. Did I hear that you used Instagram to some degree as well? To I mean, reach out just, to somebody? Well, yeah, it's just because like I'm in the photo community a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, you meet people through there. Um, and like, I mean, there's even like um, celebrities who've met people that way. Like, what um, the girl who plays, uh, she's in Doctor Who. She plays Gamora's uh, sister in the. Oh, uh, I know her face. I don't know um, her I name. I can't remember her name. Neb- Anyways, Neb- Neb- so like, I should, well, I mean, that's Neb- that's the Marvel yeah, version. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. She plays Nebula. That's her. She's her awesome. Name. I like her. Anyways, uh, it's Karen something. Um, Karen Gillan. Thank you. Oh, uh, that's what it was. So basically, like, she met. Her husband, she literally sent him a DM on Twitter and said, I think your jokes are funny because he's a comedian. So it's yeah. like that went over and now they're married. <laughs> so like, you never you know. know. <laughs> also, I'm going to pause for just a moment and say to the stream, we're going to be reading comments and super chats here in just a moment. So if you have any questions for us, for our beautiful panelists, put them in the chat right now and we'll get back to you in a moment. I know you have some other things you want to go over today. Yeah, I do. Um, What's next in the list? Uh, let's see here. So this is a little out of left field, but so Tom, you're married. Aaron, you're married. I am. Uh, I'm dating someone. You're dating someone. You're single. Hi. <laughs> and I'm and I'm. I've seen a lot of discourse lately about the topic of marriage in general. Is it like even a good idea in today's society? Mm. Taxes. To, so there, there is, there is that benefit, right? Like I can see that definitely, but I'm curious from like all of our individual life experiences, if you would recommend that a young person today get married, or if you're not, if you would do it yourself again or for the first time, starting with Tom. Yeah. So, I mean, okay. So bear in mind, I was, I was 24 uh, when I got married. So I was still like relatively young. Um, you know, my, my wife and I had been together for uh, roughly three years when we made the decision. And, you know, like sometimes I feel like 
you know, were we too young? Like, you know, should we have like dated longer or whatever? But I, I do think there's something to be said about if you want to build a life with someone, if you want to build a family, if you want to have something long lasting, I, sometimes I think you just know very early that this is your person and you, and you want to be with them. And, and I do think that in terms of providing stability for your life, for providing stability for your kids, um, being married to your partner has a lot of a lot to show for it. And so um, that was a super long way of saying I would totally marry my wife again in a heartbeat. She's That's freaking so awesome. Sweet. When she watches this later, it's going to be an awe moment. Uh, I love you got, you got points. The real question is, do you guys still touch feet? <laughs> um, well, I'm not, I'm, I don't know how graphic we're allowed to do this, Whoa. <laughs> Dang, so man. it's a yes. <laughs> and that's it. That's it. Okay, right. Cut the street. <laughs> um, so after I got divorced, I was like, I'm never getting married again because mm-hmm. it was a very like toxic, abusive marriage. Um, mm. And it was just, I was in it for 12 years. Um, so I was just, I was like, I'm not going to do this again. Um, but I mean, meeting somebody who's a great person has made me change my mind. Mm-hmm. And I do have two kids. So I feel like, yes, I will get remarried just for them, just for the stability factor of that, because I feel like that would be important. So, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, there's other reasons why I'd get married, but I feel like that's the number one. Yeah. Okay. I mean, sure. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> Ish, maybe. I mean, if you feel like it's right, cool. If not, cool. Or like, just wait. Like, just because you're married, that doesn't mean, I mean, it's just literally a piece of paper. Yeah. At the end of the day, like, I don't think it really means that much. Like, maybe in spirit, sure. But like, if you don't have a strong relationship to begin with, and then you get married, like, that doesn't mean it's going to go well. Yeah. yeah. So like, I think having a strong relationship and being able to communicate and do all that, that's way more important than just getting married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think? Oh, I have an interesting viewpoint on this. Um, I love marriage. Obviously, I'm married. Um, I would probably tell anyone that has any sort of like financial disparity between their partner and themselves to get a prenuptial Mm -hmm. agreement or even if they're already married, get a postnuptial agreement Mm -hmm. uh, if you're going to do one of those two. Um, The reason why is I feel like I don't like the idea of the government or some random judge like walking in and being like, I'm going to split your assets the way that I think you should. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that like if you're going to get married and spend the rest of your lives together, like talking about like what would happen if we end up getting divorced someday is a very real thing that most people should do at some mm-hmm. point. If nothing else, then to make sure that some random person isn't walking into the room and making that decision for you. Um, but that's, that's kind of the big thing. I, I love marriage. I do think people should really, you know, think hard about it before they get married. Um, and even if you don't want to get married, if you want to have a long-term relationship without that, that's fine too. Um, but I think that, you know, getting those prenuptial, postnuptial agreements figured out beforehand is a very good thing. And I think it should become more commonplace in our society so that it's not just a weird thing. And it's not something looks at as like you're setting yourself up for failure, which I don't really think you are. You're just making smart financial decisions prior. And yeah. I, so. I agree with that. And Adam Lyons also agrees with that. Oh, interesting. He talks about that too. I feel like that's actually a pretty like, I'm, I'm hoping that becomes a better, like more like, you know, we can be all talk about this kind of thing point in society. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I, I think I kind of agree with like both you and, and Shaylee that I'm about a year and a half out of a divorce. And initially when I got divorced, I was like, never again. Not like ne- not never again in a committed relationship, but it was the legal aspect of things. And it was precisely what you talked about that like, 
there was a judge who has no idea what my life is, what our relationship, any, has no context for anything aside from what's been written on paper that like delayed things months because he wanted to approve or deny something when like we were in agreement on everything. And it felt like such a weirdly violating experience to have some dude I didn't know make massive decisions for my life. Mm-hmm. And so like on the league, like absolutely I would be in like a long-term committed relationship and I don't see a huge difference between that and marriage, but it is like this lovely romantic idea that I do still believe in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But specifically, the legal aspect of things is a thing where I'm like, I don't know. And I, I also was taught that like, never get a prenup. Don't even talk about it because mm-hmm. you are you are literally planning to fail. I so was like, told the same even, thing. You can't even think that way. And now I just kind of think of it as like, I, I'm not interested in the government being involved in my personal life, mm. period, end of story. And like, I don't think it has to be unromantic. Still a difficult conversation though, Tommy. Is okay, I mean, <laughs> not having a prenup though is how you end up having to split the beanie babies in yeah. the courtroom yeah. in, front of, in front of God and everyone. Well, that and so I think true. if you take that idea of a prenup, you, so you're telling me that like engineers, they don't ever plan for failures, right? Good right? point. Russell. I actually really like that. I really like that as an idea. <laughs> right? I'm like, they have stress loads and stuff, and they plan for this, that, or whatever. They plan for it to fail. So, like, you know, if it falls apart, cool. We're going to be as safe as we can. Like, so. Yes. Doesn't really make sense to me yeah. that we're going to play it to this thing only. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's. I think that's super true. It's kind of limiting yourself, and I think it's also denying like potentially uncomfortable conversations that are a great place for growth in mm-hmm. a relationship, or mm-hmm. like if you're thinking of, of taking it to the next level. Like, it would be super uncomfortable to be, like, to talk about a prenup and, like, what's yours, what's mine, what's ours? Like, under what conditions would divorce make sense to you? Like, having those conversations mm. before you get married, I feel like would be really, really beneficial. And, like, oh, yeah. I wouldn't have done that 10 years ago because, hell no. Uh, but now I absolutely would. Mm-hmm. Like, have those conversations and get on the same page. Here's kind of a random question about marriage generally. Is there a time limit you think you should date someone before you get engaged? Um, so in my marriage, we dated for four months before getting engaged. Um, I grew up in the evangelical Christianity culture like Joe. So, um, that was pretty common. Shout out. No, don't shout it out. (laughs) That's, That's pretty normal. Um, so yeah, not that I can say that, but I mean, I think like taking your time to get to know somebody is really, really important. Is there anything that you would look for within a period of time of dating someone before you would get engaged? Like, are you looking for anything in particular? I mean, the list is so long, Mm. you know, it's like, how do they respond when they're angry? How do they treat people? Um, how do they handle money? How do they treat, how do they treat kids since I have kids? Mm -hmm. Um, are they open-minded? Mm-hmm. Are they closed off? Um, for me, it was like, are they a feminist? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm only going to date men who are feminists or like believe in women. Um, yeah, I don't know. The list can go on all day. But I feel like there's a lot of things you don't really see in somebody until you are um, close with them and like live together as well. So that's something that um, my whole family's fighting me on right now because I want to move in with my boy- boyfriend mm-hmm. eventually. Yeah. And they're like, got to be married first. So that's a whole, oh, that's been a whole topic of conversation. Um, which is, yeah. 
which is interesting, and I, and I don't know if the data is accurate anymore, but they did do a study, and they actually showed that if you move in before you get married, you're more likely for a divorce. And that's what, that's what my oh, dad brings to me all the time is mm. those statistics. I that is an often like, cited thing. Yeah. I feel like that could be influenced by a lot of... That's what I said. There's a correlation, I think, yeah. much more than it's causation. Well, I brought it up to my therapist, and she was like, there's just so many factors in that. Like, yeah. How can they really determine something like that? Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes people will get married to like save money, or they'll mm-hmm. get married because they think it's what you're supposed to do. Sure. And those kind of situations, yeah, I could see that not working. You know, but that's not every relationship. Yeah. So. And even then, save money, that's because of capitalism. Right. <laughs> okay, Tom, let's it, be real. It looked like you wanted to say something too, oh, Tom. Well, you know, I, I, do think that, I do think that vetting um, someone carefully before you decide to marry them is, is of course, wise. Um, but I also think that we, I think we sometimes underestimate how, um, how much luck plays a role mm. in long-term relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that like this person that you're getting to know in your you know early 20s or late 20s or whenever, right? Um, the, the thought that like you can accurately predict whether you'll still be compatible with this person in five years or 50 years, mm-hmm. sometimes there's just no telling. Sometimes mm-hmm. people grow apart in weird ways or sometimes people want different things as they go through life. And so... You know, I think as long as you're willing to, you know, like admit that you can't know for certain whether this person will be a good partner or not, you know, and you've done the diligence that you can do at a certain point, like if the relationship fails, well, that's what happens sometimes. And, you know, it's not always because you didn't know enough about this person Mm. before you decided to get married. That's interesting. I feel like you're touching on something that I feel like is a really big deal in certain communities on YouTube when it comes to dating. And that's like, it's often looked at as like divorce is this evil, horrible, it must always be bad thing. Mm. And I just think that that's incredibly disingenuous um, to like, you know, the specificity of relationships. I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. Um, I feel like that's something we also need to like try to figure out a way to get back inside. Like the divorce is not always a bad thing. Sometimes it's just two people growing apart Mm -hmm. and deciding that they can live a better life with other people, which I think is perfectly fine. Um, But I mean, I think it's just uh, maybe it's more like trad trad cons. Is that what it's called? Oh, yeah. What is that? Trad wives and trad something. Yeah, this is like the fun stuff. I don't know what that is, but yeah. Good. I'm glad. (laughs) We're going to throw a bunch of terminology at you. I didn't study at all. I'm going to fail this test. Well, it I, is a test. I would say that like generally like red pill, manosphere, all uh-huh. these kind of like communities um, that really like lean back into like pre-1970s marital structures. Mm-hmm. That's like divorce is like you messed up everything. Mm-hmm. You chose wrong. I think that's I think that's what Steven Crowder said. Mm-hmm. I think he yes, said he, he, ch- chose he chose wrong. wrong. That was his major failing. Direct quote, um, yes. But you see this a lot in like, and then, listen, there's not everything that those communities say is wrong. There's a lot of things that totally. they say are correct. And I think that like traditional masculine traits, awesome stuff. I think getting in shape, trying to make money, trying to be the, the best version of yourself is fantastic. Um, but when it comes to like how they view relationships with women, I feel like it's, uh, you know, guys in charge. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you have to have a woman that will follow you and support you. And it's generally about the man's mission instead of like some sort of collective <laughs> partnership or unit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I just, it frustrates me that like people can't see divorce as like potentially a very positive thing. Which is a weird thing to say, but I think needs to be more out there. Yeah. What do you guys think about that? I'll see you. 
Am I am I doing it? <laughs> wow, so bad. Wow, the host. Guests, I'm so bad. We gave all of our guests I'll an instruction to you know like, why? Because like, he has the audacity. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's Scott, so hard not it. to hit the table like because we all just like I'm literally outline. just holding my hands. Just <laughs> like, like I need to have like, a little outline of hands just to like leave right yeah, here and not move. Yeah. Um, I mean, going back to like my background, I was a worship pastor for for like ten years and my ex-husband was in ministry with me and, um, you know, divorce isn't an option when you're a Christian, but it's especially not an option when you are a leader at church. I can't imagine. It's like, you are literally stuck. Um, you have no choice. You have no voice. None of that. Um, so Sorry, I don't even remember what the original question was at this point. <laughs> we were just divorce about cool. <laughs> if, if divorce is okay, if it's potentially oh, a good yeah. thing sometimes. I always get triggered by these kind of, kinds of conversations because so many people like came out of the woodwork when I announced that I was getting a divorce and just said the most awful things and yeah. like acted like they understood even a fraction of, of what even happened and... I didn't even come out and say that my marriage was abusive until like two years later. So, um, but I remember like when the church found out that I was asking for a divorce, they tried to bring me in to talk to like the elders wives and like fix it and everything, which is very common. And, um, yeah, I think being taught and being told over and over again that divorce is not an option at all just keeps people stuck, um, especially women. Mm-hmm. And the system is just not set up in a way for us to succeed um, in that way, especially, um, which is interesting when you were bringing up prenups earlier. Like, that's the first time I've ever heard anybody actually have this conversation. Hmm. Um, I It's not even something I've ever considered before because it's not really something that's ever really been an option because there's tons of people that disagree with that as well because yeah. they'll, they'll be like, they, you know, the traditional gender roles, you know, you provide for the woman, she stays home and watches the kids while you go to work or whatever. Um, and I think like traditionally speaking, that's, that's not been something that's happened. So I think, yeah, I feel like I'm rambling at this point, but divorce is only an option as a Christian. If it's like abuse or not even abuse, not though. even abuse, Correct. not no, even no. abuse. Yeah. It's, it's only yeah. cheating. It's only yep. really that's cheating. It. That's it. If someone tries to murder you, maybe, but maybe even then it's, but, like but they won't believe it, you. It's, 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 even then it's still a question. And they like, may not believe you though. Maybe he needs some help but, or yeah. like she, you like, cause it happens on both sides. It was, it was the devil who influenced him to almost kill you. What did you say to him to make him like that? Oh man. 100%. <laughs> so yeah. would you consider getting a prenuptial agreement like now? Yeah. After the fact? I think so. Hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, at least, and how I view those things is, you know, are you getting married for the right reason? If you're getting married for money, then yeah, a prenup, obviously, like, <laughs> duh, you know? But otherwise, like, if you're getting married for the right reason, why should the prenup be an issue? I don't see why it would be. I think we right. all probably feel like we're getting married for the right reason at the time, mm-hmm. but I think... No one knows the future. We could all grow apart, yeah. become different people. Yeah. I think that's that's where the way that I look at it generally. It seems like a more realistic way of looking at the world, in my opinion. The, if, like, if slightly more sad, but I mean, less, I, a little bit. Yeah, it's less romantic. There we go. It's less like yeah. hopeless romantic. Yeah. Everything's gonna work out. Yeah, but it makes sense. I understand. Given the divorce rate of uh, you know, I mean, it's fifty percent of yeah. people. It's pretty. Sad. I mean, obviously that's like weighted somewhat with mm-hmm. people that are in second and third marriages or something, you know. Um, but still, it's it's still relatively high. Yeah. 
I do think what you said, Shaylee, I mean, we obviously had very, we had very similar upbringings in the same city. We didn't know each other until like two years ago, but we had like similar friends, like we existed in the same evangelical Christian circles. And what you said about like people coming out of the woodwork to criticize your decision, like I definitely experienced that as well. There's such heavy, like such crazy, heavy judgment, usually with no context on getting divorced at all. Mm -hmm. And now like coming out of it, like it was really fucking hard to go through as like, and I know it was for you too, but being out of it, it's, it's genuinely confusing to me that like marriage is put on such a pedestal and maybe that's a weird thing to say. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure, but it's like the thing. It's like the thing that it, it defines your character, which again is so weird to me and doesn't make sense anymore. Cause it's not a statement on who you are. Like if you break up with a boyfriend, people don't contact you from the church and from high school and from all over the place to be like, you suck. You know, like, yeah. hopefully, <laughs> And it does, like when you've been married for such a long time, which I felt like 12 years was pretty long. Yeah. Um, you start to be defined by like how many years you've been married. Yes. Like you, and you like count Success. it. And yeah. It, yeah. And then you go to weddings and it's like, you know, when they do that thing where they have every, all the couples dance on the dance floor yes. and they're like, you've been married this long, stay on. Mm -hmm. And then the couple who's been married the longest, like everyone claps and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I remember thinking, cause I got married at 19. I was like, when I'm, you know, 60, mm -hmm. I'll be married for so many years yeah. and all that. Um, and now, like, being back at zero, like, that was hard for me. Mm -hmm. There was something about that because it felt like a failure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, but then I, I really thought about it and I was like, okay, but just because you've been married for 60 years, what does that even mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, are you actually in a healthy, happy relationship? Because there's tons of people that are in toxic, crazy relationships that should not be married and they're bleeding that onto their kids and stuff. Yeah. And we're celebrating it. Mm -hmm. Like, yes. congrats, it's your anniversary. Great. You're together another year. Yeah. And it's like, you stay. You sh they really shouldn't like. be though. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the nicest comment I got was somebody told me congratulations when I announced my oh, divorce. Yeah. And now mm -hmm. I do that. Whenever somebody announces their divorce, I say congratulations and everyone will always make a comment about it. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, wow, that was a really, that was a cool thing to say. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I know. Cause it's, it's a new chapter you know, and it's, I mean, there's heartbreak in it, but it's also, it's a new beginning. I think you've touched on something really interesting, which is how, like, I guess the opposite sign of kind of what we're doing here um, defines success in marriage or relationships. And I think that continuity is all they're looking at. If you mm -hmm. can remain married or keep someone with you, that's how they generally define success. Um, how would you guys define a successful relationship or partnership or marriage? <laughs> Tom, I guess you've been voted. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to defer. Yeah. Well, so to, to me, the, the hallmark um, of, a, of a healthy relationship is that you are making each other better people. Mm. Um, you know, like even it, it can mean like totally different things over time. But um, if you're growing as a person um, and you're growing as a couple, um, to me, like that's really all that matters, right? Like everything else can be, um, you know, like you can deal with everything else. But if you can like look at this person and be like, you know, I'm, I'm better than I was six months ago or five years ago or 20 years ago. Mm. I mean, definitely I am. Um, <laughs> because of this person, because of the conversations that we have, because of the support that I receive from this person, um, to, to me, that's what it's really about. Hmm. I think that applies to friendships as well. It doesn't have yeah. to be a relationship. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah, I think that's very true. What do you think? Mm. Not trying to change the other person mm. is oh, yeah. a big one. I think, like, 
and I'm not saying just, you know, remain stagnant in life and like not continue to grow. Cause I think that's important, but I think if you're going to go into a relationship with somebody and you have like a list of things you want to change in them, that's obviously not going to work out. Um, and because people will change, you know, like you said earlier, people change. Sure. Um, so I think not trying to change the person, but like accepting them for who they are and their little quirks and flaws and stuff like that. And just giving up that control. Hmm. I think that's pretty important. Yeah. Like the acceptance of the other person, their safety yeah. in that. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, that safety. And just like knowing that you can like be yourself with somebody. Yeah. What do you think, Russell? I mean, that all sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> He's in. Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. What about you? Well, in terms of su- successful marriage, yeah. partnership, man, it's a really good question. Um, there's a lot. I think of the ability to grow and build something. Like for me, like building something with my spouse, with Megan, has been like the most incredible like part of my life, whether that's like a business venture or like growing and, you know, an activity that we both love to do together. The ability to like grow over time and build something has been like my paramount issue for is this relationship succeeding? Um, obviously we're all going to have rough times in relationships. Um, I feel like communication like is, is a huge deal for me. The ability to have like rational, logical discussions about things that we're not seeing eye to eye on, or eye to eye on um, is a huge part about that. If, if communication breaks down over too long of a period of time, I feel like that starts to be like a big red flag. Um, I mean, I genuinely just enjoy doing everything with my wife. Mm. And I feel like if it wasn't the case anymore, I would know pretty quick that it wasn't going to work. Mm. But what do you think, Joe? Yeah, this is a question we talked about asking guests. And I was like, yeah, I want to hear everyone's thoughts. And I realized I don't think I have a very great answer for myself. Oh, I had to think of the spot. I was like, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) What is a successful relationship or a successful marriage? Because I don't think it means staying together by any means. I do think that there's an element of one of the first things that came to mind was like a continued encouraged growth of the other person. I've been in a very long-term relationship where I felt like the opposite wasn't like, don't change, don't change your mind about anything. Don't grow, don't learn mm-hmm. in very specific ways. Cause it came as, as like a threat in some ways to mm-hmm. them. And I think I would very much, I think a huge part of a successful relationship for me moving forward is not like a pressure to change on the other person, but like an acceptance of like, keep being who you are, like keep exploring that. Like I want to exactly. support that. And if that ever means that like, that's not me anymore. Like the understanding of like accepting that as well of like, okay, you've, you, I'm not right for you anymore. And I think to like hold that with open hands and not be like, but you're mine. Right. Like if the relationship can exist like that, that feels like the start of success and and health for me. Ooh, I I thought of a new topic that I'm kind of interested (laughs) to ask everybody about. Um, what do you guys think about loyalty? In a relationship, what is oh, loyalty? Is a good one. I'm going to preface it a little bit. What does it mean to you to be loyal to a partner, and is loyalty always a good thing? So, on the flip side of that, one of the the kind of questions with that is, how do you define cheating? I feel mm-hmm. like that also plays into that because for some people, it could just be talking to another woman that could be cheating for them or watching porn that could be cheating mm-hmm. for that person. So it's really defined. We'll call it person. corn from now on. Copy that. No worries. No worries. <laughs> well, okay. Yes, adult and, uh, and uh, so like that really depends. So I feel like when it comes to loyalty, that's also going to fall within those same bounds. Hmm. 
Yeah, I agree with that. That was actually a conversation that I had with my boyfriend early on. It was like, what is cheating to you? And mm, also, yeah. um, what would happen if I were to cheat on you? And then vice versa. And it was, you know, we, we laid out our boundaries immediately. So we already knew ahead of time. And with other things as well. But I felt like this was a really important um, conversation because we had both been cheated on in the past. Mm -hmm. And so it was something that we needed to define for our relationship. So we knew moving forward. But as far as the loyalty question, that's interesting. Cause, um, I mean, if, if, if the person that you're with or that you're married to is doing like a legal activity or something, that would be, that was the first thing that came to my mind. Like, mm -hmm. no, I'm not going to be loyal to that. I'm not going to be, I'm not like one of those people that's like right or die. Yeah. Like, if you go to jail, I'll be sitting there with you in the cell. Like, I, I know some people have that kind of loyalty bond with, with their partner, I guess. But I just wouldn't. Like, I wouldn't. You have to learn from your own um, actions, and there's consequences. See, for me, before I get to you, Tom, um, for me, I feel like loyalty is used as, like, a, you need to compromise on who you are for me. And I, I know that loyalty can be a better thing sometimes. Like, we, we talking about boundaries, establishing that kind of thing, fantastic. But I feel like a lot of the times loyalty is used as like a weapon. Like you need to be loyal to me for X, Y, and Z. Um, I didn't mean to rhyme that, but. Um, <laughs> but well done anyways. <laughs> and I feel like, especially from like Manosphere, Red Pill kind of content, like one of the first thing that like men say in that community is they want a loyal woman. And I feel like it's almost like they're talking about subservience in some way. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious what you think about this as well, Tom. Yeah, no, I... I it, it's strange to me, right? Like how often I think we mistake possessiveness, mm. right? Um, for, for love. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. that like, well, I care about this person so much that I only want them to be with me. Right. And, um, you know, I think it's really easy to, to see how that kind of, it, it's, it's a, it's a controlling instinct, right? Like mm. I want, I want this person to do what I want them to do as opposed to, you know, living their best life. And, and, you know, I think it's really, you know, like, of course, I think everybody wants a partner who's, you know, has their back. Um, but if you expect your partner to have your back when you're behaving badly and mm. or being bad to them, um, I think that's totally unrealistic. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to answer the question, but I'm also curious, anyone watching, what do you think, like, what comes to mind for you when you think of loyalty? Like, is it a positive thing? Is it a negative thing? I know for me, uh, Aaron, you and I have had a lot of conversations about this topic because it comes up so commonly on like dating podcasts mm -hmm. or like Red Pill, Manosphere. And I feel like I have such a bad taste in my mouth about the word loyalty, which does like being loyal is a good thing, right? Like that's what we've all been taught. And I think, I think there has to be a context for that that maybe I misunderstand, but I've only, I primarily seen it misused as mm -hmm. like, stay with me even though it's not good for you, whether that's a friendship or relationship, whatever. Um, I think loyalty in certain ways, like having, like having my back, you so know, like that I kind of thing. Support is different. Support, yeah, like supporting someone, being like, yeah, I'm going to give you more leeway than I might give someone else in this situation, you know, because I've known you longer. You're my friend. You're my husband, partner, whatever it is. But outside of that, I feel like loyalty is this thing that we weaponize against people, and I, I don't like that word. And I'm working through it. You know, I'm, I'm open to my mind changing on that. Well, I feel like it ties right into the idea that like continuance of a relationship is is their entire metric right. for like what success it's in a relationship a is. Um, and I feel like that, that's maybe that's why I've heard so much of this by watching other podcasts in this, in this area that I just have such a bad taste in my mouth, like what you were yeah. saying. <laughs> but I think probably same for me as well, that I've just heard it. I've, 
rarely have I ever heard it in a context that I'm like, yes, that's beneficial. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I agree. Yeah, it just seems kind of controlling. <laughs> There's a yes. great comment here. Please. Someone said loyalty is like patriotism. Maybe it's just good for the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the funniest comment sorry that's that amazing if you guys have comments you, put in the comments yeah. that is amazing uh yeah i'm curious um so la cafedora says i want a partner that is loyal to honesty and integrity in words and actions or i can't trust them so loyalty to like characteristics or like qualities in themselves i love that i love that i think that makes a ton of sense curious mm -hmm. i'm gonna read a couple other oh yeah um, feel free to look uh, through some let's see here um Josh says, loyalty is putting yourself in their shoes and asking what is right for them. Oh, interesting. If both ask that, then there will be a consensus. It's not compromising who you are, but growing together as a couple. Totally on Ooh, board with that. I too. So that. I, maybe maybe, okay, maybe loyalty is a good thing. Look at all these <laughs> rational people in I know. the chat. I, I know. love it. Unacceptable. I have, a, I have a lovely community. I like your people. And if you want your particular <laughs> comment read, make sure to super chat. We'll be reading those out. Yeah, so. at the end. We'll read all super chats out at the end. Well, we kind of were talking about a little bit of manosphere and like red pill stuff. Should we talk about what happened to Fresh and Fit? That's literally what I was about to bring up, yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you go for it. Yeah, so so to preface, if you don't know who Fresh and Fit is, I'm not how, I'm not sure how mean I'm going to be. I'm glad. I'm very glad that you aren't familiar with our content because I personally find it very grating and I, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not great. They are a very popular podcast in the red pill manosphere, think alpha male space. Uh, that is known for often saying pretty horrific things specifically about women. Uh, I believe they've done, yeah, they've done a lot of things that are very questionable. And recently on YouTube, they were completely demonetized, which means they're restricted. They aren't making income from this anymore. It's, it's a massive deal. I, and it, yeah, I want to say that they like the amount of money that they made through like super chats, for instance, was I think maybe second on all of YouTube in that particular well, like space. Over a million, over a million dollars, if, if I remember correctly. Don't don't quote me on it. I'll double wow. check later. Um, so them losing the yeah, yeah. them them <laughs> losing the ability to monetize is pretty massive. And I'm curious what you guys think about them. If you don't know them, that's okay. Uh, but really, like maybe anyone in this particular space getting demonetized to the point where they're pushing off platform or something else like that. I actually think this may be the most effective way to deal mm. with this, right? Because oh, interesting. In, in my opinion, I feel like a lot of the red pill influencers, like it's, it's a grift. Like these people are not true believers. They're just hmm. in it for the money. They're in it to, to get famous, right? And so by taking away the economic incentives for saying these things, like... You're, you're taking away the reason why this person is such a toxic uh, influence on the community. And, and I think that's, that's exactly the, the best way to deal with this is to take those incentives away. Um, because I actually think the number, of, the number of people who really, truly believe that like men are superior to women and, and all of these like horrific things that are associated with this ideology is, is pretty small. But the number of people who are willing to exploit others financially mm -hmm. by saying these things is much larger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, I, I completely agree with that. I think that's very accurate. I mean, I feel like you could go, so one, I understand that point of view. And I'm like, yeah, like I support that in a way of like, I don't like people being, you know, taking advantage of people being mean, all that sort of stuff. But then also then you could get into the argument of free speech and how all that falls into it. But then I would just say, well, it's their platform. If you want to talk about what you want to do, make your own platform and talk about stuff. And you still have your freedom of speech. It's just, you know, they're still saying stuff. You just can't make money at it. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that, Chaley? Not really. I, yeah. I agree. Cool. I yeah. Agree. <laughs> yeah. 
I think, you know, I thought when I started this, I was going to be like, oh, I, don't, I don't think I agree with it, like generally demonetization, mm-hmm. but I think I'm actually okay with demonetization, but not deplatforming. Right. Yes. I agreed. think like deplatforming someone pushes people into the dark recesses of the internet. It makes them feel like they were so right in a particular area that like, you know, the, the man is shutting them down to yeah. some degree. Uh, and we've seen this tactic used um, with demonetization and with deplatforming to get even higher levels of monetary donations from these people. Um, so I think I'm okay with demonetization. I, I'm actually happy they're still on the platform. I don't think we should shut them out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, if YouTube doesn't want them to make money off of the things that they're saying, I think that's extraordinarily rational. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I I don't think I'm on board with deplatforming. And that's kind of like an evolving conversation in my mind. Deplatforming being like someone is banned off of Twitter. They are banned off of YouTube. It's completely removed. I don't think I am for that. However, like as a YouTube creator, I know I have to abide by their rules. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, my videos get demonetized and or I get completely wiped off of YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like it's a business and what they're doing is business. What I'm doing is business. What you do is business as well. And I think it is completely normal to have to abide by the rules that the company you are working for sets. And if not, then like have some privileges taken away. I, that, that doesn't shock me. That makes sense to me. But I do think that completely removing someone's reach. I, yeah, I don't know. When people start getting kicked off of like everything, I get very concerned because it pushes people. It silences voices where you can no longer hear what they are saying. And if what they're saying is especially concerning, that feels scary. I feel like there needs to be pushback, too. I yeah, think allowing, exactly. allowing the yeah. conversation to occur is good. Yes. It gets people like... It's not just an echo chamber anymore. There are some people talking about it on both sides. If you push them off platform or, or to some other place that's a little more risque, maybe, yeah. like there's less of a conversation happening. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, yeah. You can't have that response. And then you aren't actually aware of what's being said to be uh, like involved in it or to be cautious of how dangerous whatever they're saying might be becoming. I think they were preparing for this for quite a while, too. Yes, I think I so. feel like they, they generally made, I, I couldn't say for 100% certainty, but I'm pretty sure that they had said stuff like, you know, we, we think we're going to be kicked off at some point, make sure to support us in X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure they were already getting ready for this. I think they have a pretty substantial rumble following, which seems to be the number one place for these folks to go. Yes, it does. Afterward, <laughs> you know, take that take that as you will. <laughs> I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that, so I don't look it up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How would you describe Rumble? I don't need that energy. I, I don't ever spend time uh, on Rumble. Maybe that's very telling. I think it's live stream. Well, I'm going to watch what I say here. I don't think it's a great place, probably. It seems like live streaming without restrictions. That's, yeah. It seems like a social media platform that doesn't have restrictions. And so every creator that I'm aware of who has gone there is saying stuff that I seems would, to be concerning. Would generally get them banned off of generally all the other platforms? Yes, yeah. exactly. But interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I'll also take a look at comments here. Oh, yeah. I'm not. Oh, okay. Ooh. Darian, who is our fabulous tech person, you will hear him and not see him right now. <laughs> uh, who was it? Greg? Greg Williams, you said, had a good comment? Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me scroll up here. Where is he? Um, oh, Craig McWilliams asked, thank you for your comment, said, I'm curious, are you all still opposed to deplatforming what what they're saying is actively dangerous or calling for violence? I think that's a different thing. Deplatforming for, like, calls for active violence is a totally different ballgame. Can't do that. Yeah. At all. I would agree. So, yeah, good question, though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, I think in that case, I also, I'm not an expert in free speech, so I'm speaking out of my depth here, but I do believe that there are some limitations to what you can say in free speech, and I do believe that calls for violence I think fall into, I don't know, 
at, isn't there something about advocating for violence that can get you in trouble? I, I know specifically for social media platforms, yeah. like you can't do any of that anywhere generally. Yes. Yeah. So good question though. Yeah. And I entirely agree with that. I think we should hit your last question on the list over there. The one you have on the very bottom. Oh yeah. So this is kind of going back to kind of the beginning of, of the conversation with dating in general, but another big topic of conversation is like sexual chemistry I know some people who like prioritize that as number one in a relationship, whether that's a long-term relationship or dating or hooking up or whatever, um, versus prioritizing other characteristics. I'm curious, like in your experiences where you guys rate that, um, when it comes to dating or being in a relationship or like attraction levels, right? Like, or sexual chemistry in general. I feel like there's really no sexual chemistry for me unless I'm like emotionally connected with them. Hmm. Yeah. If okay. there's not that level of intimacy first and connection, then I'm not really interested. Yeah. That makes sense. Nothing physical is going to trump that for you. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Which I feel like without response, I, I, don't, I, I don't know the stats, but I feel like for women, that is generally how it works where you want a more emotional mental connection versus a physical. I know for me as a dude, I generally, because I embrace femininity more than masculinity, I am very much the same way. Where like physical stuff, I'm like, I don't really care. When um, I was at the dating workshop, they did, they asked like, cool, you know, um, what, when it get into love languages and all that sort of stuff. And oh, they yeah. asked like, you know, who has the love language of physical touch? And it was pretty much everyone there. But me, and I'm quality time because I'm like I don't, hmm. I don't have a lot of experience in there, so I don't really care. It's okay, not for okay. me. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So Got maybe it. if I, you know, build those things up and I feel like I'm in a safe place with that person, then I would be more apt to go more physical. But otherwise, I just, I just don't care. Yeah, so it's not a priority for you when Correct. you're looking for a connection or a partner or a relationship. Mm -hmm. I'd much rather like when you think about it, like, yo, we all gonna be getting old, okay? So like, I want to be able to have those really like deep conversations. Um, and really have those strong connections. And like, yeah, there's going to be a physical aspects, but I feel like, especially as for men, there's such a surface level mm. physical attraction and that's where a lot of it is. But I'm like, that's such a small part, I feel like, of a relationship um, versus your, your emotional and mental connection. Hmm. Got it. What do you think, Tom? Um, okay, so... As someone with a smoking hot wife. <laughs> Good job. Tom, you sound Good like job. a youth pastor. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I, okay, okay, so I, I do think that um, physical chemistry matters. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and maybe not for everyone, right? Like, but I do think that there is something um, like getting to, like being intimate with someone um, and, and sharing that physical connection, I think, like that bleeds over to a lot of different parts of a relationship. I think it can be a way to to deepen the emotional connection that you have with someone. I think it can be a way to to blow off steam. I think it can be a way to just like relax at the end of a hard day. I think it can be a source of joy and pleasure. And if you have a long-term partner where that aspect isn't present, of course you could replace it, I suppose, with other things. But um, I, I feel like that's at least for me, a really fundamental building block of long-term connection is, do I think this person is hot? Do yeah. I, do I mm -hmm. love seeing them when they walk in a room? Do they, do they light me up? Um, and, and do I want to get close to them hmm. the second they're around? And, and um, like I said, that, that may not be how everybody feels, but um, to me, that was, one of the, that was one of the key things like where I knew um, that my wife was my person was like, 
whenever she was around, I was like, I was like looking for her because yeah. I wanted to be next to her. So kind of a pivot on this. I would imagine that most of you guys would say that sexual chemistry is important prior to getting married. Is that, would that be correct? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yes. I wouldn't know. No? I mean, I've never had sex before, so I wouldn't know. Oh, right. Yeah. Would you be able to speak more on that? Yeah. i uh, just never been in a relationship, and I don't think that, you know, I'm not, again, because I'm not a physical person, generally, like, that would be something that would have to be built up over time. Hmm. Um, and so it's just like, it's, it's just, and all the time, growing up, people are like, sex is not a big deal. Even now, people tell me, sex is not a big deal, so I'm like, okay, <laughs> I don't care. It's yeah, not, okay. and even then, like, sex is such a, a small part of a relationship anyway. Not saying that mm. it isn't, you know, a part of a relationship that should happen or whatever, depending on how you feel about that. But there's just so much more to a relationship than just sex. And so I'm just like, okay. And even like, and I know I talk a lot about Adam Lyons because I just got back from that workshop. But oh, of like, course, yeah. One of the things he talks about is when you go on a first date, literally, you can literally just be like, yeah, sex isn't on the table. So it relieves that pressure. So you don't have to worry about it. Hmm. So that they, at least for at least most case of women, they know where the intention is. Oh, sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you're I mean, I think setting expectations across the board makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. So so no relationships like mm-hmm. over the course of your life. But like, have you been on dates? I'm assuming Yeah, I've been on dates and it's, you know, been fine or whatever. But for whatever reason, the the women that I tend are interested in or interested in me don't live here. So or they move away. And I'm like, sweet, my type is people who don't live near me. Amazing. I do have a type. Ah! <laughs> so so where are you finding the most success right now with like meeting like new women right now? I mean, the issue is that I'm online a lot because I'm always working on projects and things. So I different online communities and there's been like interest there, but they live far away. And I'm like, I just I don't know, I'm not really into that, at least right now. Maybe that'll change. Um, but I have had people like approach me from there and be like, hey, you know, I'm interested in you. How do you feel about that? And whether, you know, it's uh, I, I always go by the hell no, hell yes principle mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just because like I don't want to be wishy-washy because that just then I'm kind of in it for the wrong reasons or I just feel like not necessarily leading on, but it just doesn't feel right. Other than that, like one of the most important things, like I said before, is go I try to go to the places where I'd meet people that are into the same things. And the only way you do that is by doing it consistently. Like, you could just go out two nights a week. You can use the other five nights to do whatever the heck you want. But at least just try to get out there, because otherwise it's going to be very difficult to meet people. Hmm. So, so you mentioned, like, you know, before, this, before you get married, right? Like having that chemistry before you get married. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think that, you know, like there's, there's a lot of, um, like novelty gets a lot of, like, you know, like people are like, you know, well, you know, like the first time or, you know, like whatever, the, the early stages of relationship is when the chemistry is super strong. Um, but I, I do think that there's something to be said for um, like really trusting someone um, and being vulnerable with them that can open up aspects of a sexual connection that mm. you like, you might not feel comfortable on a first date or a third date or, you know, when you've only known someone for a short time. And so, you know, being able to build that up over time with someone to where you trust them implicitly, even with like the weird parts of your yeah. sexuality or like, you know, the things that you wouldn't feel necessarily comfortable with. I think that that can be an underappreciated aspect of being with the same person over a longer period of time. Would you ever give the like, so, OK, so one of the reasons why I ask this question is I feel like a lot of people on the 
traditional conservative side would say don't have sex until marriage and they'll point to statistics um, like, hey, like, you know, two virgins that are getting married, they have an 80% chance. I think it's some some crazy percentage. I'll have to look this up at some point. Yeah. Um, but like the percentages of like two, you know, virgins staying together, having a continuous marriage that doesn't end um, is a lot higher. And so that means you shouldn't be having sex before marriage. And I'm curious what you guys think about that. <laughs> I mean, I didn't. <laughs> I was a virgin on my mm-hmm. wedding night. Um, hmm. So, yeah, I went that route and... I never considered myself a physical person throughout my marriage. I would say that was something that was actually an issue um, with us a lot of the time. But now I can step back and realize, well, I wasn't feeling safe in that relationship. Like, of course, I'm not going to feel like I can give myself physically, you know, Um, not to mention the messages that I was always taught, which is like men are sexual, women are not, Mm -hmm. women are emotional. Um, which I'm, I'm, you know, I'm both like we all are, we all have both facets in us, you know? Um, but yeah, I think just like, I didn't think that I was a physical person at all. Um, which you may not think you're a physical person, but when you read them, meet the right person, Mm -hmm. you realize, Oh no, I actually, this is a really important part of a relationship. And, um, I think the, like the right person awakens that in you. Hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, like it, it makes me sad that um, I, I think our culture is very deeply sex negative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, even oh, like yeah. even the non-religious parts of our culture, I think there's a lot of weirdly puritanical beliefs and all of that. Um, and, you know, like so I, I had the opportunity to to teach a sex ed class. Really? Um, a few cool. years back. Yeah. Cool. I, I was through uh, the Our Whole Lives program. Hmm. And um as someone who received like arguably the worst sex education possible, <laughs> um, which basically is just don't have it. Same. It's terrible for you. You're probably going to that die. Was that, was that in high school? Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. They showed you all the pictures. Oh, I mean, uh, don't so, have sex. you will uh, die. Yeah. I saw the slides. Re- religious sex education is, it's like basically just like, here's some guilt. Here's some shame. Mm-hmm. And you know, and now, now go try to be a real adult out in the world. And, yeah. um, so you know, like one of the, the cool things about uh, being a sex educator, I, I felt like was like I, I wanted I wanted the, the students to feel like being being sexual was a healthy part of being a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, um, you know, whether you choose to express that in a relationship or not, um, you know, like this is this is an opportunity for you to just um, express your values. Right. And to really think for yourself about the kind of person that you want to be. And so um, I, I, I would love for our culture, I think in general, to just let people have the sex they wanna have and like to not make it such a big deal. Um, but also I think there's just, there's, there's so many things that come along with that, right? Like you have to have a, a certain level of personal responsibility. You mm-hmm. have to have good boundaries in place to protect yourself mm-hmm. and, and all of those things. Um, and all of that starts with talking to kids and being honest with them and, you know, really explaining about the, you know, how these things work and, and how relation, like how healthy relationships work right. as opposed to just, well, when you're older, you'll figure it out. Yeah. Right? Once you get on your wedding night, you'll magically understand <laughs> how to have good sex. The magical, yeah. the magical sex fairy. Works, yeah. right? Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, for women, I mean, the message, for women who grew up in a religious background of any type, really, 
the message is like, your body is not your own. Yeah. It's God's. Mm -hmm. And then once you get married, it's your husband's. Mm -hmm. It's never yours. Yeah. It was never yours to begin with. And so you're not taught things like consent. Mm -mm. No. Things happen to you. You know, you get essayed and it's like, you don't even know how to handle it or navigate it at all. You just feel the shame and the guilt because you saw all of those presentations at church with the the black water and the white yes. water. The, every the time you have sex, wait, wait, I, wait hold on. I haven't heard this. Pops. Wait, you're, you're hold on. Piece of chewing, gum. chewing gum. That's my favorite. Yeah. Hold on. Oh. What's this water thing you're talking? Well, you have like one one thing of black water, one thing of like clear, and then it's like. This is a sexual partner, and then like goes into oh the. Oh my! Here's God. another one. Here's another one. Here's another. Look how unpure you are. It pollutes who, the purity of the water. Yeah, who would who would want something? Uh, the answer so is uh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> just in the context of church. Who would like, want gum that yeah. other people had chewed, right? Or like, like, that's literally how it's discussed. A band that like loses its sticky. Like there's yeah. all kinds of oh, yeah. we are, horrible we are. metaphors. <laughs> oh yeah, Joe and I have talked about this so many so times. Much. Just the damage of purity culture. It's crazy. I'm yeah. still working on it every day. Same. Working through I've it. been out of that. I'm 32. I've been out of that for years, and it still has an effect yes. so heavily on how I see myself. Yep. Same. Bizarre. I, I did want to say, so yeah. technically, this is my second panel about this, this topic in my mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. We have um, a veteran. In, <laughs> in 1993, when I was in oh, ninth man. grade, my church youth group held a panel discussion about sex and relationships. And even though I had never so much as held hands <laughs> with anyone, Were or you been on the on a date, I had very strong opinions <laughs> about how you should behave Amazing. in these hypothetical situations that I'd never been anywhere near. <laughs> so ninth um, grade, that's what, 14? Is yeah. that right? So uh, so the, the bar for tonight being the best panel discussion <laughs> that I've been a part of was very low. Ooh, we did so, it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Achievement. <laughs> yep. Mission accomplished. <laughs> well, perhaps this is a really good segue into something that is a very widely talked about thing uh, in a lot of these like dating podcasts is does the number of sexual partners that someone uh, you're trying to date or currently dating, does it matter? I figured this was going to come up. I just figured. Uh, I mean, we have the the whole issue with uh, men versus women on that where it's just like, yo, men, like whatever. Like mm-hmm. they don't care. And women is the exact opposite. And I think it's just honestly, just a, a church thing at the end of the day. Because like when you look at Adam Lyons, who's, who's con- consistently says he slept with over a thousand women, but like it, does, it just doesn't matter. Like maybe to some people it is. That's fine. You're allowed to think that. That's your opinion. But like at the end of the day, like are you being safe? Mm-hmm. If you're sleeping around, are you, are you getting checked just to be safe? Because you don't want to be you know, irresponsible and give that to somebody else. Um, that's what it really matters to at the end of the day, in my opinion. So for you personally, if like, is it even a question for you when you're dating? Like, would you ever think like, would it, would it concern you or would it worry you if like someone else had had a lot of partners or I mean, do you just not care? At the end of the day, as long as you're being honest with me, I don't really care. I yeah. mean, you could get into the whole idea of like pair bonding and all of that shenanigans. Sure. Uh, but you know, it just comes down to communication and like being honest because otherwise, like, if, if you don't have 100% trust in a relationship, in my opinion, it's not going to work. Yeah, mm. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just not going to work. So, I mean, really, at the end of the day, like, I know I'm inexperienced. And 
if somebody else has experienced, that's just a benefit for me. Right? At the end of the day. <laughs> like, so like, sweet, that. just tell me what you want. Cool, no yeah. problem. You already know, awesome. Sweet, <laughs> like, okay. Like, so as long as someone is being honest and safe, yeah. you don't care about the overall number. I mean, I think it's just an ego thing at the end of the day. Mm. Really? Hmm. Would it be different for men or women or the same? In the way of if... Uh, if a woman has had a lot of partners and the man hasn't, and vice versa. Yeah, like like the way that you looked at what was the what was the individual's name that was running no, the workshop? Adam. Workshops? Adam. So like it, yeah. Adam had over a thousand. Mm-hmm. Would you look at a woman the same way if she had over a thousand? I think sexual partners. I would like to say that I wouldn't, but I think because of the way society has programmed, especially growing up in the church, I have an inherent I would because I can't help it because I've been programmed. I get that. that way. It seems like you're conscious of that, though. Oh yeah, I'm so. always I'm I self reflect every day hmm. because yeah. I always need to be like, you know, how can I be better? What What are my subconscious biases? And just knowing what those are and being like, all right, cool. But as long as I look past that, because that's such again, it's a small thing compared to what makes up a person. Yeah. <laughs> such so a accurate. Thing, you know. <laughs> We got a great super chat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We have to we have to pause and read a super chat. Um, this is from an Aaron. She'd like to hit on you, Tom. Um, hey. Sorry, my audience is a little, a little risque sometimes. She I'll says, hit on Tom. The guy in the boy genius sweatshirt has such a great voice. Fantastic. Yeah, he does. It is a great <laughs> Yeah, he does. Hi. <laughs> well, okay. So if that's who I think it is, I, think it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I love it. And if it's not who I think it is, you're welcome. <laughs> Get it. Thank so you for sultry. the super chat, Aaron. <laughs> yes, thank um, you. I'm curious to get both of you, uh, both or you two on this as well. Um, it's not a big deal to me. And if it was a big deal to somebody I'm dating, I would not continue dating them. Because that just shows to me that there's that, there's that, this is just such a touchy subject for me mm-hmm. because of my background. To me, it feels like a way to control yeah. or like, it's yeah. I don't I don't know how to explain it, but um it's like breeding grounds for jealousy and control. I feel like having those kinds of conversations and not being on the same page, which brings me back to what I said originally, which is like finding someone who's open-minded. Yeah. In that way. You know. I, I also think I don't know if this is what you were talking about, but I feel like it kind of goes back to the concept of like especially as a in my experience, woman growing up in the church, your body is literally never your own at mm-hmm. any point in yep. your life. Like it's God's, you belong to like your father and your family, then you belong to like the man you're married to. And I feel like if someone cares about the choices that you have made, like with your body, which is actually your own and are judging that, it just feels like to me, like a perpetuation of that, of like, no, this is my own skin. Like before I knew you, whatever choices I made are the choices that I made. And like, we can talk about that, like to open, honest conversation about it, but you never have say to someone, like, especially before you're with them, in my opinion. Yeah. And I feel like women can never win on this type Mm. of subject. In the same way that I feel like maybe you would get judged for not having sexual partners, because once again, it's that narrative of like men have all the sex and have all the sexual partners. Women cannot, Mm -hmm. or they are fill in the blank. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the words on here. Yeah. Oh yeah. We all know. We get the general gist of what you're you're talking about. I think with that, the most important thing, and this is just how I live my life is just own it. Cause if you own it and you have a confidence, People don't care anymore. Yeah. They're yeah. just like, all right, cool, whatever. And they just move on. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think that's a huge point. Yeah. 
Tom's gearing uh, so up for in case it wasn't clear from what I said earlier about <laughs> sex positivity, this is a life skill that you should practice. Like, <laughs> this, is a, this is an important thing to Touch get good at. Um, and the only way you can get good at it is by doing it. And I, I think that, you know, like, how are you supposed to know what you like and what you don't like if you don't have multiple partners. Um, and this is, this is not to say anything against people with few partners, right? Um, but just to say that, you know, like the, if we invert the slut shaming, right? Like people who have had a lot of partners generally are really clear about this is what I like mm -hmm. and this is what I don't like. And to me, like that only enhances the, the types of connections that you can have with someone because they know you know very clearly and like they can tell you this is what I would like you to do and I, like to me there's there's nothing hotter than that right yeah no I think that makes perfect I mean, sense I think you're hotter than that time. <laughs> I mean this this whole thing can just turn into uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm, here to I'm, hit on Tom I'm here on for it <laughs> so an offshoot to this question if a guy has a preference for someone with a lower sexual partner count is that a bad or wrong thing like if I, like for instance, if I'm still in the dating market, I'm, I'm not married for the moment, and I want somebody with under 10 sexual partners, or let's say let's say it's five, let's make it smaller, is that bad? I don't think it's bad or wrong. I think it's a preference. Agreed. As long as they're not shaming women who have over that amount. That's the difference, I think. You have over five, you're, you know, whatever. That's, that would be different to mm -hmm. me. Um, but everyone has preferences, you know? I concur. I don't know. Additional thoughts? I I would interrogate the why. Same. Behind <laughs> that. Uh, although, like like everybody else said, it, ultimately this is just a preference, right? Like, I'm not trying to, like, dictate how other people ought to feel. Um, but I think if you introspect a little bit about mm. why you only want someone with either zero or a very few number of partners, it's, it's not necessarily coming from the nicest, like, most, like, uh, the nicest place. Yeah. <laughs> and I think just with that, like, okay, cool. Say, you know, you're my age, 33 and you want somebody who's a virgin. Cool. That's fine. You're going to have a hard time probably. Right. You know, right. so you have to, you know, be a realistic about it. Right. Like, it, yeah, it's going to, it's going to shrink down the mm -hmm. people who can fit into that box yep. or into that preference. Yep. I feel like we have the most reasonable panel that has ever I know. existed. I know. <laughs> it's like every, every single answer is like, oh yeah, that, yeah that's like, fantastic. I can, I can get behind that. <laughs> okay. I have a very, I have an off the wall question. Yeah, go for it. This is kind of out of left field. I don't believe this. Okay. But I want to ask this question. We're going to fight. <laughs> uh, this, this is, this is a crusade of some certain podcasts out there on the opposite mm. side. Uh, do you think it's disingenuous for women to wear a large amount of makeup on a date or in representing themselves on uh, like Hinge or Bumble or Tinder? Is that disingenuous or wrong for them to lie about their physical appearance through makeup? Now, I don't believe that. Just make it very clear. <laughs> no, 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 we do not believe This it. is like a recent crusade of like yeah. the Manosphere and Red yeah. Pill podcasts. I've heard like, this too. Well, men don't do it. Like, women are lying about their physical appearance. I have no idea what they actually look like. Thoughts? Why do you need to know what they actually look like underneath their makeup? That would be my first question, because it's like, are you just basing this conversation off of the outward mm -hmm. appearance? You get what I'm saying? Well, to play devil's like, advocate Obviously, there. when they see you later, when they see you in, in more relaxed environments, they're going to see you without makeup. Well, to play devil's advocate here... 
So shouldn't shouldn't you know what someone actually looks like underneath all the makeup? If, if physical chemistry is an important part of like courtship and dating, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. For I the think moment. so, but I feel like unless you're completely airbrushing your face with makeup, which most people don't, yeah, you're going to look the same. It, you're it just enhances. makeup just enhances your features. Yeah. Are they obligated to like take a, a makeup-free selfie in terrible lighting? Yeah. Um, <laughs> how how far down the rabbit hole of making yourself look bad are you required to go? Well, that's actually like to one meet of the standard. They yeah. like they want to require like that at least one of the pictures on a dating profile is a no makeup picture. Like a mugshot? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> okay, if we're going to do that, I also need a makeup picture for men. Yeah, that's all I oh, want. Absolutely. Let's be fair. You know what? Yes. To be totally <laughs> equal across the board. <laughs> you know what? Daring, I, 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 I think it's that. fair. We've, we've already talked about how like they tend to be low effort, right? Like, let's, let's, let's get it together, <laughs> Just, fellas. I love that. Put the work in. No, it's, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because I had that thought process um, because mm. I'm somebody who likes to wear makeup. I just think it's fun and it's like an art for me. And you do but, such a lovely job of it. I'm always you. so jealous. You Thanks. look great. <laughs> I love it, but I hardly ever really wear it. Like I'll wear it if I'm filming a video or something like that, but I'm not really going to wear it every day because I don't go out and socialize every day or whatever. Um, but I, on my dating profile, I made sure to include like two pictures with no makeup mm -hmm. just because I knew oh, this yeah. would be a topic of conversation. Mm. And I don't know. It's, I didn't even want to have the conversation, I guess. So I'm like, here, so you can it, see me in all, all areas. You right. can see me without makeup. You can see me with it, whatever. Do you think it's important then to include something where you're not like no filter or no makeup on there? If you're on a dating app, I, I feel like it is. I don't know. I think the filter thing can go out of control. Agreed. Because it's like, mm. how do you, you, those filters, some of those filters are like, they don't look like you at all. Yeah, they're incredible. It's crazy what filters can do these days. Mm -hmm. um, so to me, that is disingenuous because that's not you at all. So filters disingenuous, makeup not so much. No, I mean... Like I said, I think it depends on how much makeup you're wearing. How much makeup are we talking here? And you can easily make the argument that a filter is just like makeup. Like I can see that as an easy argument, but those filters can literally make you look like a they different person. They change your mm -hmm. facial features. They make your lips bigger, your eyes I think bigger. I agree with that. Yeah, so that's, so that's where there's like an issue. I mean, makeup-wise, like, I don't know, man. I have to look at the history of makeup. <laughs> and like be like, all right, cool. What was the intention? Blah, blah, blah. And then kind of make my decision from there. Because, I mean, you say, take the same thing about high heels, originally made for men to right. ride horses. Oh, men, men, yeah. men wore makeup, too. Well, I didn't so. know that. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? It was like totally all, like they used them to ride horses and men wore high heels. A lot of... Like skirts, too. Yeah. Skirts like a like lot it, of yeah. things happen where they start masculine. The podcast. They start masculine and then they become feminine. That Somebody is a, made it up one day. They just woke up and they're like, men can't wear makeup anymore. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Hmm. Men aren't allowed to like pink. Yeah. Even yeah. though men were in pink nightgowns like in the 50s, 40s and 50s. <laughs> Bring so, back pink Yeah, nightgowns. we had a, was it, was it Eleanor Roosevelt that was like dressed up as a girl when he was a child and like they have pictures and everything and it like oh. wasn't weird. Yeah. It was only very recently that like I vaguely remember pink. seeing something about that as well. Mm -hmm. hmm. I also, someone brought something interesting up in the comment section uh, about kind of like the makeup question. Um, like Havdor said, this question makes so many assumptions about the nature of perception are like, are we allowed to wash our hair, you know, wash mm. your face, use lotion? I think that's a very like yeah. a good way of yeah. like, how long, how, how far do you want to take, not you. I mean, like how far no, do you want to take? No, no, yeah, how dare you? I was just asking how a question. Get out of here. Get out of your own <laughs> podcast. Well, I, I think that it's interesting the way that this question is framed, right? Because I feel like it, it presumes that she is doing her makeup 
for you. Mm-hmm. Right? Also, yes. It yep. centers the man's perspective, <laughs> right? In kind of a weird way. Like, why isn't she allowed to just like wearing makeup? Mm-hmm. Why isn't she allowed to just enjoy looking a certain way, right? It's not about you, dude. Yeah. Um, so that, <laughs> that I think so is, true. like, yeah. if you could take a step step back and, like, you, like you are not the center of her universe. And, um, and also, I, it's also kind of creepy, this thought that, like, She's wearing makeup to entrap you, like God, yeah. In some, Weird. Like, like, this is like, like that that Bible story where like the Jacob marries the wrong woman because <laughs> like and he has to be like work seven more years to like get the one he wanted. Like, How is that even this possible? is this is not. Um, yeah. I mean, men are dumb, so you know. But I, but I feel like it's assuming that it's her intent to deceive you right off the bat starts off on a very just creepy foot. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you picked up on something that I feel like I've, after watching many, many podcasts of the opposite side, uh, is that there's a very adversarial way that a lot of these podcasts frame men and women. Like they're out to get you, take your money, like, you know, when, divorce you and like, you know, try to make out on that. I feel like the entire thing is based on like a super versus kind of relationship. And I think that's such an unhealthy way to look at relationships as a whole. What do you think, Joe? Excellent. Phenomenal. As she scared the comments. She really was the comments. Just the most. (laughs) I didn't hear what you said. (laughs) Incredible. She agrees, but she has no idea what you said. She heard Joe. Couldn't have put it better myself. She knows me well enough to where she can agree (laughs) just fantastic. And that's a two thumbs up review. Were there some good comments to read, Joe? (laughs) Yes, yeah. I was going through some of them. And some of the questions that people had, but mostly I just didn't need Anything to we should share with the group here? <laughs> Let's see. Well, there are some others that are like a change of topic that people have asked some, mm. some really good questions, but I don't know where this conversation was. <laughs> oh, somebody so said... Before I change topic. Somebody said that there was a... That the dude equivalent is uh, with all mirror and car selfies. Mm. Is that like a... Do, do guys do like mirror selfies? It's been a while since I've been on Tinder. I mean, yeah, they do. Yes. The cars and fish... That's yeah, cars and fish. fish. Wait, what? The big what? three. The fish. The fish, fish, like yeah. having a fish? a fish. Yeah. And like their profile picture. Or yeah, yeah like the, the shirtless with a dog, yeah. right? Like that's Oh, that's one, definitely, right? that's, that's yeah. like the yeah. new thing, I so, feel like, in the like, year. I want to make sure I get this right, but it's been a while since I looked at the study. So I want to say that like when it came to dating profiles, um, this might have been in modern romance, or oh, modern, yeah. what was it, modern romance? Yeah, modern, yeah, modern romance. Yeah. I think it was when women had animals, it was a general like, decline in like people actually swiping I think swiping right on that but for men it was more swipe right so right. men should pose with animals yep. and women generally shouldn't because it shows that they have commitment yeah or oh, something oh okay I don't know mm. There, there was a reason but I can't remember what it was at this point or something uh, oh I can see that okay okay hmm. I know you have some more things. Which makes me just want to get an outrageous animal. Like, here's an alligator. Yeah. You know, like I did I date committed. someone that had a baby tiger in her picture with her. Oh. This is before I was okay. married, obviously. But was it was pretty cool. I was like, oh, tiger, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So I don't know if it works on me, but, yeah. like, but also maybe, maybe just bad judgment, that. right? <laughs> it's also true. Uh, okay. So there was actually one question here. It's kind of a, a change of topic that I think is a really important one, though. Cause we've talked uh, kind of about like you know, sexual chemistry, conversations, like openness, the importance of communication when it comes to that. And someone said, um, like, how do you even start the conversation about, like, sex experience or STDs? Like, what's a way to, like, a jumping off point for that conversation in the first place? 
So I think an easy way, and again, like I learned a lot of this workshop for yeah. certain oh, things. Yeah, oh yeah, that's awesome. Is you is you just talking to them and be like, you know, what do you want to talk about? Like you mentioned one thing, you put sex there in the middle, and you mentioned another thing. So now you make it not oh. weird because you've made it equivalent to those other topics. So that way, it makes hmm. it easy. Wait, what's an example of that? So it'd be like, you know, the sandwich method. Yeah, more or less, more or less. You just like, you know, do you want to talk about, you know, this thing that we're interested in? Uh, You want to talk about sex and you make it like just fun and lighthearted. Um, Is this like further into the relationship or like in the beginning? I don't think it, I think it'd be either or. Okay. Um, Probably like earlier on would make more sense because I feel like once you have communication, like again, it's not a big deal. Okay, like everybody has the urges and all that stuff. Like it's normal for the most part. Everybody does. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, be like talk about you know what you happened today. Uh, you know, talk about sex or talk about like some show you watched or whatever. And you make it just really easy. Yeah. Okay. And then that way, there's not that pressure. Oh, interesting. That makes sense. That'd be a way to start it. Yeah. What was your experience with those kinds of conversations? Like, did you have those conversations early on when you were dating? I don't know. I guess it would kind of depend on the person. Yeah. But I feel like, and I think probably most women agree with this just because the quality of men is few on the apps, I feel like. Um, Interesting. Mm, um, You don't find a lot of quality men on the apps? No. (laughs) (laughs) What does a a quality man look like? Um, One that isn't just trying to get in your pants. Unless that's what you want. Right. Uh, yeah. That's, that's if you want, if you're, if you're on the getting in pants. Exactly. App, yeah. right? like now it's right. fine. How is that no not an app, app already? <laughs> getting in pants. If yeah, if can I fit in these? I don't know if this works for my figure. I mean, you know, like pay $500 and like now you're in extra pants. Right? Yeah. Oh, man. I can only yeah, wear one pair at a time. If that's what you're looking for, great. Have the conversation early. But, but that's not like, what you're looking for. Well, I mean, I guess it just depends on the person. But I would say, generally speaking, if you're, one of your first conversations to a woman is going to be something sexual, that's an mm. immediate like red flag. No, I'm not mm. engaging in this conversation because it just kind of gives the impression that you're not interested in anything beyond that. Mm-hmm. Of the men you were talking to, like what percentage were doing that kind of thing? Mm. Like starting off with something like overtly sexual. I would say it's 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 a small percentage for me, um, but then you get into the conversation of um, like fetishes. I don't, are we allowed to say that word? Oh yeah, okay. that word. So. As long as it's not connected to anything else that's strange. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're good. Yeah, we don't know. We're playing like uh, what words can we say? Again? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, I'm gonna put Joe on the spot for a second because she was on my podcast two days ago, yeah. and we we brought this conversation up. Yeah, I'm in a larger body, so that's a fetish for people. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Joe is yeah. in a disabled body. That's, that's a fetish. A fetish. It's true. Yeah. Um, so I some... like cool people. That's my fetish. <laughs> <laughs> and anything can be a fetish. I feel like yeah. at this point, but. Um, yeah, I mean, there would be people that would just guys slide into my messages and just say something overtly sexual because of my body. Yeah. Mm. You know? And then it's like, okay, that's, do you, does that work on people? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's gotta be some kind of success, right? Right. Because I've experienced a lot. You've experienced a lot. Like do, do, do people who reach out to people with overtly sexual fetishized messages about their body, do they really have any success with that? Well, it's so common. If we're being honest, I think people would just assume that 
you and I are desperate because of the bodies that were. Oh, 100%. Mm -hmm. I think that's because it's a minority body. So it's like, what else? Who who else can they get this from? Yeah. Who else is going to want you? Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, no, I understand. Which is so inaccurate to like both of our experiences. Absolutely. But that is an assumption that is made. Yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Yeah. If if you feel like answering, how many matches did you come back to Tinder and have waiting for you? (laughs) Is this because you know the answer? I maybe, possibly. <laughs> I'm just really curious because I think it's, yeah. it's. I think it speaks to a lot of interesting things. Yeah. So I got on dating apps last fall, probably something something around there, uh, and Tinder in particular. Uh, and I got off of it for a couple weeks, and I didn't know. I didn't know if like someone, if people would be weird about dating someone with a visible disability. I kind of assumed it would be a thing. Did you show this in one of your pictures? I'm assuming. <laughs> Did people oh, know? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I was very upfront. Like almost all of my pictures. Uh, okay. You could see my prosthetic. Like, I don't think I listed in my profile, but it was like, if you were looking at a photo at all, I wanted to make it overtly clear. So like, mm-hmm. if that's not, if you had an issue with that, fantastic. We're not for each other. Mm-hmm. But I remember coming back to Tinder. I think this is because of Tinder, right? Because of what you were talking about, like 80% guys. I came back and there was like 9,000 match or like people who had liked me. And I was like, oh, Okay. Okay, the dating scene is different than I thought it was. That's insane. Right? 9,000? 9,000. Yes. That's insane. You're starting to get like two a year. I'm still trying that's, to... That's why, that's why I was like, and I took a screenshot, I'll show you, to, to oh like prove. To prove that, but I don't think it's because like, I was like, so anything other than like, uh, I don't know, a woman who was interested in dating, because there are so many men out there who are interested in finding a woman. And so I was like, oh, okay, the landscape is different than I thought it would be. How many people would you say you like swiped right on? Like out of every 10 people? Mm, I pr- I was pretty particular, which I think is very common for women yeah. on dating apps, right? Like, do, does this guy feel creepy is like the number one question. Because you have 9,000 options waiting? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I got 8,000 other suitors. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I would say maybe one out of every like 20 to 30. I agree. Maybe one. Yeah. Of like, cool. Let's have a conversation, maybe. And and I, I you know I feel like there's a lot of a lot of men out there who feel like resentment. Yes. Right about this level of, it seems like ease that women have, right? But I think the burden is just different, right? Like, yeah. There is still work that you are going to have to put in. It's just. Like like we said earlier, you're, you're trying to like screen these people. You're yes. trying to filter these people. Hundred like, percent. You like it's yes. It seems like nine thousand, right? But there, there's there's definitely not all nine thousand that you would even be remotely interested in dealing with. No. Um, and so you're having or vice to, versa, even yeah. like I'm like I'm sure a lot of this was just like swipe 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 swipe, and so I ended up on a list. It's not yeah. me personally. You I feel know? like we're gonna have to call you Doctor Tom from now on because you make such phenomenal <laughs> the chat points. I love loves it. Loves your voice, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> like not just Aaron, his wife. Okay. <laughs> we need we need to have Tom like read through Lord of the Rings and just oh, like put a hundred percent. What else like audiobooks? I love it. <laughs> Are we making you blush, Tom? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Very I think that's though. that just shows the difference between men and women as well. Mm, in what way? Um, because when a man goes on a date, he's trying to see if he's compatible mm. with the woman. And while we're looking at that too, we also have to make sure we're not about to get. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, got gotcha. you. No, actually, <laughs> that was all you had to say. say. You're end up on the other kind of popular podcast. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, and. 
That's actually true, though. Joe, you and I have had so many conversations about dating, and we yeah. have had some sketchy people. Yes. We've had some terrible, scary experiences. Yeah. And that is not uncommon. No. For women. So we literally have to be so selective. We have to stalk them on social media. Like all of those things you have to. You have to text your friends with an address before you go over there. You have to be mindful of all of these things. And so it's interesting if men have resentment over us having more. Well, and interest or having more, you know, options, people options. Quotes, yeah. Because yeah. it's like, it, it makes it more overwhelming for us in the end, I think. And it's a lot of people to sift through. Yeah. Sorry, I feel like I cut you off there. No, you're fine. Um, I feel like even with that, like, even with, we've both said, like, we, we've tried to be particular in, like, screening people we would meet in real life and go on dates with. Like, even then, you and I have both had very not great experiences like it's still there's there's no guarantee of anything and it can be extremely unsafe and very uncomfortable and so like with all of those options genuinely the first thing in my mind is like how much danger do I feel like I would be in with this person then like everything works down from there yeah down to like like attraction and like compatibility and communication but like right the first thing is like am I safe yeah am I safe okay so advice for turbo dudes out there (laughs) yes keep this in mind right like if you are not thinking about your partner's safety when you're setting up in-person meetings, mm. that means she is having to do all the thinking about her personal safety. And so like, I feel like men could go a long way to like sharing the emotional labor here of mm-hmm. like creating safe places to meet up um, as opposed to just like leaving that for the woman to think about. Thank you. Yeah. I'm curious. You touched on something interesting. So what's a good first date so like for me, I'll, I'll preface this by saying like I've always thought lunch was or like lunch or coffee, something like very like low risk. You can leave early if you need to. You're normally in the middle of the work day to some degree. I think that's a decent place to start a first date, um, you know, in public, all that kind of jazz. What do you guys think? So I can I, I have thoughts on this. Yes, please. I want to make my voice lawyer for one. So I'm as cool as Tom, but you <laughs> know, whatever. Deep and raspy. But uh, so one, I can definitely agree with that sentiment because it's low pressure. It's not a big deal. But if so, I can see that. But from, you know, if you want to do something that's fun, do the things that you would go and do as a teenager. So like mini golf, go to the movies, ski ball, like go to like an old arcade or whatever that has lots of fun games because it's about creating an experience and making it a fun time because that's when I feel like you're going to have more of a chance to build a connection than just going to get coffee. Hmm. Doing like doing something together. Yeah, doing yeah, an activity. Do, yeah. Go do an activity and like do it in a safe spot. So that's why like mini golf or yeah. arcade. There's gonna be people around. It's gonna be okay. And at least at least I think you've put more thought into that thing yeah. than just gonna go get coffee. Yeah, that's what everybody does. Mm-hmm. I think that makes a lot of sense actually. Yeah, and I think there's something to be said about like it lowers the amount of pressure when you're doing something together mm-hmm. instead of just like sitting and talking. Mm-hmm. Right, like you can do this thing and like connect and do this thing and connect. Oh, oh yes. I know. Okay, thank We're going to get to it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you Off Darian. screen, Darian. We need to get Darian a mic so he can be a part of this as well. Uh, Pat great. T, thank you so much for the donation, man. Pat said, just want to say this has been a very classy podcast. Thank you, Pat. That's what we were hoping for, Pat. You're Ooh, the best. Pat's nice. been a, a member on my channel and a patron for a very long Aww. time. So thank Phenomenal. You. <laughs> Thanks, Pat. <laughs> um, the best first date is FaceTime. <laughs> Ooh, or, interesting. or a phone call. But I would say FaceTime because you can read body language. Mm. You can, like, you really can learn a lot about somebody just by 
being able to see them in those first conversations. And then that can spare you the drive that you have to make to the coffee shop or the money you have to, to pay to get the coffee. I, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't. Okay, I couldn't yeah. So I would really? agree. There's no I would way. agree that that's like a good, safe option. I so don't connect with people over phone calls or over video. Okay. I like, personally hate it. I hate it. I can't. Really? I, I've never. That, I don't even FaceTime with my yeah. family. I mean, I hate talking like to people on the phone. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> okay. Maybe I'm there super weird. I'm I don't know. I'm only going to call no. Aaron from now on. <laughs> the only thing we're going right to do. Right <laughs> yeah, but like the connection. I'm like, I could not tell if I have a connection with someone unless I am like physically present with Interesting. them. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, it doesn't work for everyone. Yeah, but yeah. the best I think that's a great is that pretty common. People. Do you Facetime with I all mean, your dates pre-date? Not all of them. I did with my boyfriend, mm. and did, I thought that was good. How long was your Facetime with him? We, I think we Facetime like two or three times first before we mm. met for the first time. So I don't know, uh, but my f- favorite like first date experience was at a dog park, actually. Oh, yeah. interesting. This okay, I was like, I'm about to go walk my dog. You want to come? I was like. Sure. So we were walking and talking and there was distractions and it wasn't, we weren't like hyper fixated on each other, sitting down, Mm -hmm. looking at each other. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I feel like that eased attention. So it's kind of goes along with what you said, like an activity. And even then, if you're, if you're a part, if you're sitting at a table and you are on one side and another person on the other side, you're already fighting each other with body language. If you're side by side, Mm -hmm. now you're working on something together versus your opponents. And so like anytime you're going to have a difficult conversation with anyone, sit in like a booth at a restaurant. Yeah, do something which like is, not, laugh, yes. not laughing which at you. I, I saw that, a yeah. comment yeah. about Tom, which is amazing. Oh of course, <laughs> you are, you are I should there. just we're leave. We're leaving. <laughs> yeah, you want to get out of here? I'm out. Sorry, no, you're it. good. Okay. Yeah, you have to. Re- Honestly, you have to read this. It's it's amazing. You want to take which one? Tom has the riz. Sorry, I'm gonna read this. Says, oh my God, it's getting painful to know that he's taken talking about Tom. We need to fund the manufacture of Tom clones. His perspectives and thoughts are just, I want to thank his mom. That's amazing. I agree. That's amazing. Thank you. I think you're you're sharing the emotional labor quote in particular was something Uh, that resonated with a lot of people. Absolutely. That's true. I think you need your own YouTube channel. You got to do it. We need men in this space. We need men. We need men. In this space, we, we hope that Tom will be a reoccurring guest on the podcast. Dude, definitely, yeah. at bare minimum, if we give him a good experience yeah. before we force him to start his own channel. <laughs> That's right. So, no, just push pressure. him in the deep end. Yeah, just yeah. do it. I am extraordinarily flattered. That's all. That's all I will say. We do well with compliments here. Now. <laughs> oh man! All right, let me look through the comments and see if there's anything. There were, were any some other really uh, topics that you wanted to touch on. I'm going to look through here real quick as you. Yeah, you. let me think here. I also saw a, a comment asking what kind of a podcast this is, because this is totally different oh, yeah. and new for my channel. <laughs> my channel for the last five years has been about amputation, disability, mental health, trauma, grief, and things like that, which are topics I obviously care a whole lot about. But uh, Aaron and I have been talking about starting this podcast for, I mean, about a year now and oh, working yeah. on it for months um, to specifically talk about like dating, relationships, current events, but for me, it's like the relationship between specifically men and women because I feel like there's so much tension around that. There's also so many, they call them like Manosphere and Red Pill podcasts. Think Andrew Tate, Fresh and Fit, Just Pearly things that are advocating Ugh. for a very specific way of being you know as a woman or as a man. And those are the, like, it's a very binary and very traditional. And the thing is, I think that they are having 
like they are touching on issues people want to talk about and we need content around, but they're coming at it from such a black and white and extremely, in most cases, far right. And a lot of the times I think damaging perspective. And so we had conversations for months talking about these things we were hearing and we're eventually like, we don't feel like there's a lot of people in this space that are like talking to other people, hearing opinions about these sorts of issues and seeing what people think. And we're not experts. We just try not to be right. assholes and like, you know, bring people on. Imagine that. Well, I think it's, you know, also I think the left does a pretty poor job of reaching out to young men and women in Very particular much. as totally. well, yeah, uh, especially yeah. when it comes to discussions about masculinity. I mean, we, I'm sure we've all heard the phrase toxic masculinity. And I feel like that's the only thing that permeates through the left side mm -hmm. as well. And so I feel like we're trying to find the middle ground, yes. like taking the best ideas of both and trying to speak to people in a way that's like responsible and fun and I don't know, not being served currently in the community. Mm -hmm. When, when he said that you like agree, agreed vehemently with the whole, that the left side of things is not serving men. Well, is that something that you've experienced? I mean, when you just look at like even the political sphere, the right side, like is so adamant and they're like, so in the trenches and getting people to go along with what they're doing. Yeah. And the left does not have that same amount of tenacity. I think they're just true. not pushing his heart. Yeah, I, I could not I agree more. I think the right would disagree with that, though. Really? I think so. It's their know. entire structure is adversarial in that yeah. nature. They have to be like, oh, look what look what the world is doing to young men. Like, yeah. everyone's, a, everyone's a pansy now to some degree. Yep. Where That's the what real they're fighting men. back against. Where are the real men? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Can you define a real man for me? There's nothing wrong with traditionally no, they masculine don't. They traits. They never define it. Yeah. Like, I don't have a problem with, like, masculinity. Like, I love masculinity. Right. It's me fantastic. Yeah. Um, but... I feel like masculinity should be defined as something I do for myself, not in how I treat women. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it can be in like a positive way, but if you're right. using masculinity as like this weird bludgeoning object to go after women or make them conform to you, that's not what I think it should be. I, I even think that like using the phrase toxic masculinity um, suggests that we have this idea that there is a healthy masculinity, right? That there can be... Mm -hmm. Um, a nurturing, protective strength, right? That, um, that, that, and it's not necessarily just about, you know, being a man or a woman, right? Like, I think that there are always, you know, like, both genders can exhibit masculine traits, right? But mm -hmm. to say that, like, um, you know, like, we want to encourage this, this masculinity that, that gives people a sense of, um, you know, taking personal responsibility for, caring for the people around you and your community. Um, you know, like to me, I, I feel like calling out toxic masculinity means we ought to talk more about what non-toxic mm -hmm. masculinity should look like. Mm -hmm. Which I always find interesting because when we talk about like the best person to model yourself after is Jesus. And then we don't see a lot of that same trait happen in like the Christian sphere of sure. how to be masculine and how Je like how Jesus acted, like taking care of people, doing those sorts of things. I d it's, it's that's woman's work. It's like, crazy like, to me yeah, to like see like the to... difference. I'm like, I don't <laughs> see these traits in there. Yeah, you know, it's just weird. Yeah, I think that. I mean, I think that's very accurate because again, like we have, yeah, we have all come from Christian backgrounds, and there's one pastor in particular who talks very loudly about like real men need to be like Jesus, and yet like. <laughs> It's like just war and hating people. Those mm -hmm. are the things that are like Jesus to him. Mm -hmm. But anything else, like having a uh, peaceful conversation with someone or, can, you know, anything like that is like that's feminine. And so I think it's become very perverted. Um, I, I am curious. Toxic masculinity, I feel like using – do you feel like that term has a 
positive connotation to it because you're like, oh, it's suggesting that there's there's a more positive version. Oh no no yeah so I mean I think like ultimately when we talk about toxic masculinity, I feel like we're talking about like a like a perversion of yeah. real masculinity, right? Yeah. Like so you know instead of using strength to to protect the vulnerable, right? You're using strength to bully someone. Right. Um, you know, instead of using, you know, like reason and logic to, you know, live a, like a wise life, you know, you're doing things like mansplaining or gaslighting or like devil's advocate, right? And so, you know, like, I feel like it's important to talk about toxic masculinity, right? And it's important to like recognize that not only is it harmful to women, but it's also super harmful to men yeah. to grow up with these stereotypes of, of how men ought to be. Like, you're not allowed to have feelings. You're never allowed to cry. Like, mm -hmm. you know, all, all that matters is, you know, are you a Spartan, yeah. Viking, whatever, right? Um, and so being able to say, like, yes, these are the ways in which masculinity has been twisted um, allows us, I think, to talk about how we might reclaim some of those mm. masculine traits and 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 see them in young men um, as, as, as a benefit. Yeah, okay, I, I love that. I think that makes a yeah. lot of sense. Because I feel like, um, I've talked about this before, but like I, I love masculinity. I like, I respect it. I think it's a beautiful thing. Like I, I'm, I think all that I've heard growing up is about toxic masculinity. So rarely have I ever heard anything positive said about it. And I'm like, I identify as a woman. So I'm like, well, that's a bummer for the guys. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if like the conversation around toxic masculinity that we've all grown up around had any kind of negative impact um, for like the men on the panel. Like, do you feel like being masculine makes you toxic? Were you ever made to feel that way? Or do you have a positive view of it? I feel like it's never affected me personally. Yeah. Because I don't feel like I'm a dick about it in any way. <laughs> Fair, okay. Um, I don't think I've ever been accused of doing any of that. Yeah. So I can't say for me personally, probably not. Yeah, okay. But I'm curious for the rest of the men on the panel. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> not that I could think of anyway. Awesome. <laughs> um, no, so like as, as someone who has identified as a feminist, um, you know, for a super long time, um, you know, like I feel like um, there, there's, there's something, um, I, I, I don't know. Um, I do think that there are a lot of elements of our culture which are a little hostile towards men, right? Like I think the portrayals of men in like popular culture sometimes tend to emphasize how stupid they are yeah. or like whatever, right? And then like I, I can see how, you know, everybody is sort of affected by that. Um, but I also think that you know, emphasizing the, the need for, for men to ally with women, that a lot of these struggles that we have, not just women's issues, but men's issues are going to take both genders to mm -hmm. solve, and that having that adversarial, um, you know, conflict between them doesn't help either side. Um, you know, I, I think that's the, that's the approach that we need to get towards. Hmm. Yeah, I, I love agree. that. I think that yeah. makes a ton of sense. Well, Joe, do you have any more topics you want to go over today? I think we're we're at about two hours, which is crazy because I just feel like we've been chatting uh -huh. with friends. So uh -huh. I think now is probably a good time to wrap it up because it's nine o'clock. <laughs> Make sure to subscribe, guys. If you want to see more of this, it's what we're going to be doing at least once a week yes. currently. Yeah. Next week, it'll be Wednesday, I believe. Actually, yep. I haven't checked that's, this with anyone. That's what Thank we're working on. Wednesday, I'll let you guys know. <laughs> yeah. Should be Wednesday of next week around the same time. Yes. But thank you guys for, for joining us. Thank you for the panel. 
Much appreciated. The most rational and reasonable panel, panel maybe ever. Yeah, ever on our podcast, honestly. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're all of your podcasts that you've done for yeah, this specific thing. All of thing. them, all of them. Every yeah, last clearly, one. it's going to set the bar high for everyone else. <laughs> also, check the description for links to people's social media. Uh, and yeah, thank you guys so much for being here. This was awesome. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys.